This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking John Wick, Colin, Chapter 4. Aaron, do you think he's back? I'm thinking he's back. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello, Aaron, how are you? You know what? I'm doing really well. I had there a, you go. Played a Twilight round of disc golf last night with my lovely girlfriend. It went really well. We were having a good time. Did you guys listen to Berlin Take My Breath Away? And, you know, she said, uh, take me to bed and lose me forever? <laughs> I had my 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 portable speaker on me, so we had, we had some pop <laughs> we had some pop hits playing. Uh, for pop the... hits? How old are you? <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it. We just we had, no, we no, had, no. had Pandora go, and it was music. good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. How are you doing? No, all right. I uh, I got some different cable, or I'm sorry, I got some different internet set up. Now I'm on fiber. Oh, not not a plug because we don't get paid. But uh, well, you, you didn't know, name a specific uh, company, so you just you just exactly, have fiber. Yeah, I'm, I'm, if there happens paid. to be a company that only uses fiber compared to everyone else, that's if one thing. In, if you're but... in Northern California, there's only a handful of companies. <laughs> well, that'll go but, well yeah, with your diet. Pretty good. Pretty good. I can't wait to. Uh, uh, I can't wait for next week when I have to upload something. Yeah, the, the speeds. Exactly. Uh, well, Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I discuss new movies weekly after we get rid of that <laughs> that nonsense that we get into. <laughs> uh, we dig into movies via most spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 527. 527. That's a lot of episodes, man. It is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this week we are talking John Wick, colon, chapter four the obvious fourth chapter in the john wick franchise and uh, joining us to discuss john wick chapter four he's written for such publications as vulture polygon the playlist and fangoria next stop a seat on the high table it's brandon stroisnig hey uh thanks for having me back i i was listening to that a uh, little intro there uh wanting to laugh a little bit but i always i i never remember <laughs> never never remember how uh how different shows are with, always uh, chime in always yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, love, we love a good chime in before introduction <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, I i was sitting here uh just laughing to myself so uh but yeah uh thanks for having me back on for sure for sure brandon, hello i've i have not met you on air yet no no you haven't uh yeah last time i was here there was a, a different person sitting in your chair <laughs> i had to kill him so. yeah. <laughs> well, we got a we got a full house here today and uh and i was gonna say you know uh my, my general said my general thought on this is chime in now chastise later that's what i say so always <laughs> just jump in just worry about it after that uh but no i'm excited to have you on here i know you're a big action fan specifically of some of the people involved in the in, the, in this latest john wick film oh and definitely so, yeah. so we're gonna get into all of that soon enough but first of all, let's get to some show notes um what's happening here new commentary track every month we do a commentary track on this podcast and this fat uh, this past few months we've been doing a theme called i love la where we talk about uh, films set in Los Angeles that are action, action comedies throughout the various decades. And we talked about Assault on Precinct 13 and um, Beverly Hills Cop. And now we talked about Rush Hour for this month, for March. We, we, we talked about the Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker film Rush Hour. There's also a garbage person director involved in that, but that's that's not important. We talked about another movie. <laughs> Aaron, um, I think, I, Aaron, I think it's actually Rush Hour Chapter 1. <laughs> It's right, yeah, they retroactively renamed them. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. I forgot that part. 
uh, and strangely, two is with two eyes, but then three, they just went with a numerical three again. I don't know what's going on. If that's your <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't what's know. going on. Yeah, <laughs> but we did talk. We had a lot to talk about because we hadn't talked about a Jackie Chan film before. Um, so it was a uh, it was a lot of fun to get into uh, various aspects of that film, that franchise, awesome. and that kind of era. Um, since we've talked about so many other '90s action movies in LA already, so we kind of like, oh yeah, I guess Rush Hour is a good one to do. <laughs> um, but no, a lot of fun there, and you can find that on iTunes. We can find all the episodes of our podcast, and on there you can also give us a rating and review, which will be wonderful. Pop us up in the old iTunes and iTunes charts. Thank you so much in advance. Okay, well, that out of the way, let's get to let's get to some out now quickies. Trademark. You tweet that now. We will wait that time out there. We that there are no quickies. Trademark. That was fun. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. What uh, what movies have you seen recently? I've actually just been on a uh, John Wick bender. That's all I've watched this last week. Oh, um, but it's it's very funny. Uh, you mentioned. I, oh, I mean, I don't know how funny it is, but um, you we'll mentioned... determine how funny things are. <laughs> <early starts. laughs> you you mentioned that I'm a fan of some of the people in the latest John Wick, and it's what's what what I find funny is is that I'm such a fan that the last maybe 10, 12 years I've I dove, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. I jumped head first into uh, DTV action so much so that I was like kind of wading in those waters and a little bit of international action so much mm-hmm. that the, like I, what I would say are the three big franchi- US franchises, John Wick, Fast and Furious, Mission Impossible, I completely missed, like just like blew right by me. And they were movies that I kept saying, oh, I'm going to get to them and just kept forgetting. So I've seen the first three Fast and Furious, his first three Mission Impossibles, hadn't seen any of the John Wicks. And so I was like, look, I'm, I'm dying to see this new one. It looks great. I need to just binge all of these. So in three days, I watched all four of them and loved wow. all four. What a, yeah. what, a, what a run that was to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh it, it, it's so funny because like I I recently did this whole piece for Vulture about, you know, stunt awards and everything. Mm-hmm. Talked to a lot of stunt professionals and everything. Very cool. Uh, read, read all the, the awards and all that. that wait a minute. Cool. Did I like that tweet this past week? Probably. I, think I might have. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, me and uh, Bilga Abiri and I kind of spearheaded uh it's hopefully the first of many years that vulture is going to be doing this and i i'd love to be brought back i i'm i guess i'm its co-creator i i guess but um <laughs> but anyway long story short is it's funny that i i was spending all this time in that world and it's a world i love and the whole time it's like i felt like a fraud because i hadn't seen any of the john wick movies and i'm just like man these are like a huge blind spot for me and and yeah i'm glad i caught up with all of them so yeah those are the uh all I've been watching lately. I've been meaning to get to the new Netflix movie Furies, and hopefully I'll get to that soon. Too, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've but... seen the Fury, which is great, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to watching the se- the the prequel. I guess. Yeah, yeah, excited for that. And the star of the first one directed the new one, so that's pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She she's a really cool, really cool. Uh, I I wanted to say actress, but I guess she's a lot more than that. But yeah, I, I didn't know. Yeah, she's the what? She well, she single handedly almost to, you know save the the. <laughs> The, the rebels in the last jedi with that bomb yeah yeah she's <laughs> it, she, she's she's one of those people that uh, i'm sure we'll get into this with like john with uh the latest john wick with some of the cast but she's one of those people that in big hollywood productions she's like a bit player like she's rose's mm-hmm. sister in last jedi she shows up at the end of the old guard but like in in like smaller movies she's like the star it's pretty cool yeah very cool well going back to the whole you just watched all the john wick movies I'm a bit more of a fan of Fast and Furious than Abe is, but with Mission Impossible, you got a lot of greatness coming your way. Watching I know. catching up with these it's, sequels, yeah. oh it, it's a, that's what I keep hearing is that like I still have the great ones awaiting me, and I love the first two. I'm not a big fan of the uh, 
the Abrams one, but um, the, the TV pilot episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I know the John Woo one has a lot of uh, a lot of problems, I guess, and people are iffy on it. But but I mean, I'm never gonna. I'm never going to be too hard on a John Woo movie. Yeah. <laughs> around the around these parts, when it comes down now, we are fans of Mission Impossible too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he Woo was flirting with her by doing car racing stuff. in the canyon. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, it's perfect. So so yeah, but I'm excited to see like the new big bombastic ones, especially with all the stunt stuff that I've been had my head in. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, that's like yeah, pinnacle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like there's... And, and what a simple explanation for like why the guy's right hand man can't talk. It's like I broke his jaw. <laughs> Put a mask on him, and then you know. <laughs> Every is, few years, that one, like uh, who was the bad guy there? That's uh, not Wolverine. That's who it is. Yeah, uh, uh, du- exactly. Dugray du- du- Scott. Du- yes, Scott. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like when Dugray Scott star was just like, oh, this guy's gonna be in every movie. It's like, no, what happened to that guy? Man, Ever wonder, after, Mission Impossible I'm, Two, not Wolverine, Hitman. He's, he's yeah. got to regret that, right? Like, he's got to think like, I could have had that Wolverine money for the rest of my life. I, what <laughs> I wonder is who he blames. It's like John Woo purportedly shot like a very long movie, then they had to do reshoots and everything, and like obviously Tom Cruise is involved. It's like, what? Who, who does the who's Dugray Scott's dartboard have on it right now? <laughs> when he, it, it's casually that, like takes aggression out not, not to not to go on too much of a digression but it's funny that that keeps happening with mission impossible movies because that's what happened with henry cavill and superman and, and like i know he got to play superman but like his face didn't get to play superman in that justice league movie because of mission impossible i'd argue that with him though it's probably only added to henry cavill's like thing as far like i, I yeah people be, yeah. like down the road people would be happier that they could recall like henry cavill pumping his fists and having a exactly versus being like oh yeah he made one and a half Superman movies that yeah, no. time. Like, that's good good <laughs> I don't, for him, I guess. <laughs> I don't think any I don't think anyone's upset about missing out on uh reshooting Joss Whedon's Justice League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like the great Scott. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, it, it really worked out for me in the long run that I had to do reshoots for <laughs> the, the six hour Mission Impossible 2 movie that I made. <laughs> the thing I want to re-examine every now and then of Mission Impossible 2 is that kick at the end where like there the gun is in the sand. And Tom Cruise, like, somehow, like, just kicks the sand and the gun flies, like, six feet in the air. And he oh, does, yeah. like, a jump slash front flip, <laughs> shooting to Gray Scott in the process. It fucking rocks, for one thing. But it's like, okay. <laughs> That's what I missed about uh, the third one, is I think that De Palma and Wu bring such distinct style and, like, visual flavor to those movies. And I just, I, yeah. I don't think Abrams is a bad filmmaker, but I just don't think he has much of a, a, a style. style. Yeah, and I just felt like it was such a come down from two to three to just be like, oh, this just looks like a standard movie. Cool. I don't, I don't disagree with you, but what I find interesting, we'll move on after this. But what I find interesting about that, <laughs> I know, is that it's the one Abrams film that I feel like isn't aping somebody else. If you know what True. I mean. True. Yeah. Like, Super is, Eight is, is a him. Spielberg movie. Force Awakens yeah. is him trying to do Lucas, however well he does that. Like every other Abrams movie. Star like, Trek's him trying to do Lucas. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's three Lucas movies, one Spielberg movie. Mission Impossible Three is like the weird standout where it's like. He's not actually doing anybody specifically. He's just playing like, oh, I did Alias. I can do this. Yeah, right? it's like it's his, it's his big screen Alias movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is true. And that that does give it a, a decent flavor. I it, don't has hate great, it has some good set pieces for sure. Yeah. Like, I don't d- deny that whatsoever. But it does it does sit lower just by nature of it not being as yeah directorially unique as the as you'll yeah. see the other five entries <laughs> in this franchise. I'm very excited for those. I, I, I'm i going to try to, I don't know what's coming first, Dead Reckoning or Fast X, but whatever's coming first, I'm going to try to Fast catch X up Fast X is on. coming first. So yeah, and you have more Fast and Furious movies to watch. <laughs> That's true. And and I will say, um, uh, Liam O'Donnell, uh, 
he uh, he was telling me um, the other day, I was like, what should I catch up on next? And he was like, well, he was like, Mission Impossible ultimately is better than Fast and the Furious. But he was like, I will say you probably want to go from the stake of John Wick to the McDonald's of Fast and Furious back up to the stake of Mission Impossible. You want to regulate your diet a little that's a, bit. Yeah, that's a good way to think <laughs> of it for sure. I'd yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey, what have you seen recently? <laughs> Uh, I, there's a new series on Hulu called Up Here. Uh, oh. This is starring Mae Whitman uh, from Independence Day fame. Essentially, she's she's That's like your poll mid- from Independence Day. Yeah, it, she's right. only known as the girlfriend. <laughs> right. uh, no one knows her from anything else. Not not Scott Re- recast for the yeah. sequel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what was she doing that she was so busy? No, it, that it was show just, that it, was on NBC. What's it called? Oh, that heist show that we've heard. Uh, the slap. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's your pull for NBC shows. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't was that ABC or NBC? I feel that's, that's NBC. you're not wrong. It's just like, such a... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, up here is a, a show that essentially is Mae Whitman saying, Hey, I want to move to New York and kind of flee this like, you know, suburban life with my husband who's very uh safe and you know, uh kind of boring at times. But the the kicker of it is that she has her inner voices played by so it's almost like drop dead fred style where it's like they're just real people like played by john hodgman and like a couple other people uh including like her her nine-year-old best friend and then this woman who uh you think in the beginning is, is her parents um and the the best thing about it is it's a musical show so okay <laughs> they just start singing from time to time and you're like this is great uh so hulu uh up here i've only seen the first episode i'm i'm intrigued i like it and then the other movie that I saw, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's this movie called Tenant, um, <laughs> where I just, uh, I didn't mean to turn well, it I, on. I heard like Christopher Nolan firebomb theaters that wouldn't play it or something like that. I hear that that's, he just was really terrible. I think about the whole, like, for if there's arrest, one person to blame, it's not the marketing and studios. <laughs> or it's it's one director who apparently has all the pull ever. <laughs> yeah. I Again, I did not mean to turn this on and watch it in like, in full, I just wanted to see um, the opening action scene again, the the opera house. And here I am just sitting here just being like, this movie still fucking rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Time cops, like, this is great. Neil, come on. Uh, it's great. So a, a, movie tenet... where it's, a movie where it's like, Aaron Taylor Johnson should always just show up like halfway through. Be like, oh, I'm a co-lead now. <laughs> Not even like halfway. He's like, you know, like... 70% of the way. Like, way out. It's way later than that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't know if I'm good or bad. By the end of the movie, you're like, is he a bad guy? Did he sell the the uh, the pieces in the future, the algorithm in the future? It's like, what is going on here? So, yeah, I, I um, two and a half hours. It is, uh, it, I think that I, I had no problems with it the first time in terms of understanding what was going on. Because I think that you and I talked about this, where it's like, if you just sit back and enjoy it, you're just like, this is a fun action movie. And I think people kind of got cut up on, well, this doesn't make any sense. I can't really hear anything. It's like, I don't think you really, like, visually, you can watch it on mute. You'd still be able to, like, probably figure out what's going on. Not that not that people who didn't understand it or didn't like it don't understand the movie. More just, I think that you might be overcomplicating something that doesn't really need to be overcomplicated. See, so, Tenet, two and a half hours of my life um, just sitting I'm, there and just being like, this movie is uh, pretty, pretty fun. Brandon? I- I, I find I'm like always confused by the not understanding complaints. I don't want to like denigrate anybody's experience, but right, right. Denigrate away. Just, 
but it's just so strange. It, it, like, I don't love Tenet. I do need to rewatch it because Miami Vice is my favorite movie. And I've had so many people say it's Nolan's Miami Vice and I need to rewatch it That's through a that good lens. Comparison. I can yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. So I want to rewatch it through that lens um, away from all like the, the talk about it when it came out. But, but my, my only thing is, there were so many people saying like, I didn't understand the movie, didn't understand the movie. And it's like, that's fine. I don't consider myself like a genius or anything, but I don't find that movie difficult at all. It's yeah. like very straightforward in, in a lot of ways. And I'm just this like, this is what? why Brandon and I are best friends. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens with a lot of Nolan movies, like Inception. Everyone was like, I didn't really get Inception. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like very straightforward. The, the movie. movie tells you everything that's happening as it's happening. Like that's, it's re- like, that's really yeah. in the design of the film. Yeah, he's he's not making experimental films here. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, it's not it's, it's not just... a Lynch blockbuster. <laughs> no, no. Like, <laughs> see, drive in exactly. Space. I don't understand Lynch, and he's one of my favorite directors. I can't tell you what some of what's happening in some of his movies. That makes sense agree. to me. But but Nolan, yeah. I mean, I'm just like I don't get it. But that's just me. You it's know, very... uh, you know, this is like the third rewatch or like the fourth rewatch for me for Tenant. Um, you know, various bits and pieces here and there. This time around, I was like, oh, he actually explains the plot like four different times in the movie. Like, he's just re- explaining the whole thing all over again, and that's kind of like Nolan's thing. Because he's not Nolan. bad at this. Like, there's a reason why he's one okay, of the few directors where his name means something. Because like he makes movies that people generally very much enjoy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not because like, they walked into it multiple times being like, I hope I get it this time. It's because like, no, I had a fun fucking time watching this movie. <laughs> you don't have to defend yourself, uh, Nolan against me. But I'm not yeah, def- I don't have to defend anything. They can speak for themselves. I'm just saying, hey, he's, no, doing, I hear you, he's yeah. doing his job. I think that there may be some more clarity like when he's writing with his brother or when he used to write with his brother. But at the same time, like again, for Tenet specifically, I mean, he explains like, hey, by the way, like nuclear uranium, like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's this Russian guy. It's like, but how did this Russian get it? Go see this woman who was in Harry Potter. And then Harry Potter's <laughs> just like, there's they're from the future. They haven't been shot yet. Oh, okay. Well, let me go find out who the arms dealer is. Like, why is this happening? Like, because in the future, the the Russian guy needs to go and make things in the past. Like, oh, okay. And then they just keep explaining the same thing four different times with with uh, set pieces. We're, we're going to talk about the difference between I think convoluted and simply paying attention. I think later on when we come to the yeah. review is of John Wick as well. But I think that is a big part of it. Where it's like <laughs> that's it, a good segue back into the show. Yeah. All right. Um. I've is that all you've seen? Are you good? Yes, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. I've seen a few things. Um, first up, speaking of TV shows, I watched the entire series of Swarm on Amazon Prime. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is the new Donald Glover co-produced uh show, uh, starring Dominic Fishback from uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh she played okay, so the <laughs> the the premise of this is that there's a singer named Nyjah who is very much an analog for Beyonce. Uh like not just inspired by like the show literally like states at the front of every episode uh any similarities to people that are real is intentional like it makes it very it's very much part of the uh-huh. joke that it's like it's very obviously supposed to be Beyonce that's not and there's like much like the way Beyonce has rabid fans and a fan base this singer has a, like a swarm it has this like this I guess like Twitter base that has very intense fans which includes Fishback's character who takes things to the extreme where circumstances arise that lead her to going on basically a killing spree across America while also trying to pursue seeing Nyjah in concert. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this, this is like the extreme end of like an Atlanta episode uh, turned into a series. Basically it's quite good. Um, it's very violent <laughs> at times, mm-hmm. uh, but it also has a lot of really good dark comedy and a lot of just 
solid social commentary when it comes to the way pop culture works and the intense nature of like standing of uh, certain people and what have you. Um, if you're a fan of Donald Glover's work when it comes to Atlanta and stuff like that, this is very much worth your time. Okay. Um, I watched Luther, Fallen, The Fallen Sun. I don't think that's what it's called. <laughs> I said Luther, colon, The no, Fallen Sun. No, it's called Lufa. <laughs> I watched um, uh, Deadskin Sponge Tool, um, The Fallen Sun, Lufa. Um, it's this is the the cinematic take on on Luther, mm-hmm. and um, I have not. Like, Abe, are you Luther? Are you a Lufa fan? I think you and I talked about you know in in the UK they call them series one, two, three, four. I uh-huh. think you and I talked about series one like way back when uh-huh. uh you know the part where he kicks the door in because he's having an argument with his wife yeah. not not that his wife is behind the door she's like down the hallway but he, you know he's an angry cop guy um but yeah i i enjoy idris elba in this role uh yeah so i've i've i think i've seen maybe one and a half seasons of Luther. Mm-hmm. like i know i've seen the first one i never i don't remember if i finished the second one but the movie right. is very much designed where it doesn't really matter um which helps uh, I, was certainly, I was certainly curious. I was like, oh, he's playing Lufa again. Let's see what happens. It works quite well. It's a little too, it's like over two hours. Like, oh, I get it. You're trying to make like, since the episodes of the television show are already like 90 minutes. Like, all right. Yeah. Make, I guess you're going for it. Make a two hour and change movie. Uh, it's it's really gritty, like in like dark, more, more than I expected, where you have Andy Serkis as, a, as the villain in here. And he's very intense <laughs> uh, playing a normal human being. But uh, Idris Elba, I mean, it, it, it's nice to see him in this role uh, again. But it, like, he just—you can see why him being on TV versus him being in movies is like, oh, this guy just has that charisma. And it's—I I still think we're waiting for like the ultimate like Idris Elba movie to happen, uh, as far as like the thing that really like just hits it out of the park. Like, he certainly had good performances and things, with, like *Peace of No Nation* and like the Mandela movie or what have you. But in terms of like a key Idris Elba movie like this isn't it necessarily but it's like you can see how much like charisma he has that radiates just seeing him play like a character like this so but uh, I, I I quite enjoyed the Luther, the Luther movie let's see what else I watched a good person this is the new uh Zach Braff joint <laughs> I uh the movie it's like it has Florence Pugh and, and Morgan Freeman Florence Pugh plays like a woman who has a car accident it affects people in her life and Morgan Freeman's life and it's very much more a drama than it is a kind of comedy drama in the same in the way that like Garden State and Wish You Were Here. This one leans more on drama. I will say the movie is like fine, but the performances for Freeman and Pew are very good and very emotional. Um, and it makes it worthwhile as far as he got good actors to do some really good act. It has a touch of melodrama as far as where the plot goes, but in terms of like just the performances on display, I think there's a lot of good work there. So. Hmm. I was uh, wondering if uh, or how Florence Pugh got attached to this movie, and now it makes sense hearing it's a Zach Braff movie. Mm, Yeah, that makes because I was I was seeing the trailers and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Like I didn't know it was a Zach Braff movie, and I was like, oh, that's interesting that she's doing this. Like I just felt like at this stage in her career, it felt like a kind of a little bit of of an anonymous movie for her to be in. Mm. And then I was like, oh, when you said Zach Braff, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. They were were coupled (laughs) during the making of this and have since split up or whatever. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's where it comes from. Um, Mm. Let's see. I watched Tetris. Oh, that's out? It's on, well, like, you know, press stuff, but like, it comes out out next, it comes out, it comes out streaming on Apple next week. Uh, This is the biopic 
concerning the de- the development of well, not so much the development, but the distribution of the game Tetris. Stars Taron Egerton. Um, what what got me is that it's basically a kind of a, a standard biopic handled by way of Argo of all things, where it's set during like end of Cold War era, mm-hmm. and in addition to Taron Egerton playing this kind of marketing slash gaming guy like programmer guy he's trying to get like distribution rights for tetris um in terms of like getting like the handheld rights because the game boy's about to come out and like oh. arcade rights and things like they're trying to like negotiate all these deals but it's happening in the midst of like you know varying versions of turnover going on in in russia or the ussr at that point and mm-hmm. it handles it as like a spy thriller essentially like it's more i don't know cheeky than that just because it's a movie about Tetris, but I mean, it's, there's the joke. I think the joke of like adapting a Tetris movie, like if you actually made Tetris into a movie like Mario brothers, or it's like, Oh, it'd have to be like the dark gritty version of Tetris, you know, a building blocks game and watching this biopic. It's like, this actually is like a dark gritty version of Tetris. Cause it's like, (laughs) like despite the fun of seeing like Terry Egerton trying to like negotiate deals with various, you know, people involved in having the rights of Tetris. It has this like undercurrent of the KGBs after certain people, like the guy that actually created the game, or like uh, you know what it means to for certain people to have the right to try to negotiate this deal while the government's trying to look after getting like the most money out of it or what have you. Like it, mm-hmm. it has a surprising amount of, of of darkness to it, which I was not expecting because again, it's a Tetris movie. Is it good? You may ask. Yeah, it's like I I enjoyed watching it. I I think I, I it. By the end, it started to lean on a certain style as far as like, what if the game was reality? And like, what if just to kind of (laughs) animate certain scenes in a sense? And it's like, there's a there. I had enough goodwill with what was going on here to be like, okay, I can accept this and it's still Mm -hmm. fun. But if like if that was like the whole movie, it would either be completely awful or completely awesome because it's like I did not expect this amount of animation going on in a Tetris film uh, about the creation and distribution of Tetris. But as it stands, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time nice, watching yeah. this movie. I, I like the trajectory I, that Taron Egerton has uh-huh. taken with his career. Like a lot of very like small movies, but also family movies. Like you know, I love Eddie the Eagle. And it's like yeah, this he is it like ultra fame? Not really, but at the same time, like he's making interesting choices. He's a likable actor. I, I think yeah. he does well in the in the parts that he chooses. He does at least, you know, regardless of the movies involved. I think he's does what he needs to do. Should have um, probably been nominated for uh, the Elton John movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, much more so than fucking <laughs> Robbie <laughs> Malik. You know I mean? like yeah, if we're handing out awards to fake teeth, then give yeah, give uh, Ernie Egerton some some right. shine there. It's, and it's and then you know, and he's probably he's probably mad at Austin Butler this year. <laughs> well, Austin Butler was great, but he was really um, yeah, this is true. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's interesting to hear that uh, Tetris is pretty good on the whole because like I'm just I'm finding this trend lately fascinating of like that and Air and BlackBerry. It's like yeah, a lot of these coming out at the yeah. same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the story of the product <laughs> and how it yeah, yeah especially yeah, the the angle they're taking. That's very true. Yeah, because yeah. I, I did see Air this week. I won't talk about it yet because we'll talk about it another time. But um, and yeah, seeing the trailer for BlackBerry, it's like. There's a lot of stuff coalescing. It like, are we? Is this where we are in biopics? That have we gotten past people? And we're like, yeah, but how about how they marketed those people? Like, that's that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting direction to go. 
Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm not going to say Tetris is great, but I enjoyed my time watching it and it doesn't hurt that Tetris is, you know, if you'd ask me my favorite video games of all time, Tetris is generally on that, you know, top five list because I love Tetris. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, and there's even a, there's even a scene where like Taron Egerton describes the feeling he gets from playing Tetris, and it's like that is how you feel playing Tetris. It's like this this movie gets it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna layer for that scene, and when I see it, I'm gonna text you and be like, hmm, "All right, I see." <laughs> it's not a deeply felt monologue, which would have put it over the top for me. <laughs> Those are deeply felt monologue about the 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 set the the satisfaction yeah, I mean, of playing Tetris. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll figure it out. I'll find out. Mm. Uh, one last thing. Uh, we, this yes. movie doesn't come out till like a month, uh, but I'm just going to shout it out because it deserves it. Uh, I saw Polite Society. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of Cafe Society, and I was like, didn't that movie <laughs> I, I watched like, Woody Allen's Cafe yeah. Society, and I just want to yeah. say, oh my God, guys, we should really relook this movie. Um, <laughs> Polite Society, it's the Indian British film that's coming out um, uh, in the end of April. I don't want to talk too much about it now because we might talk about it later. But I just no, want to say, I, I know what movie you're talking about. But I just want to say I really enjoyed it, and I hope people see it when it happens. Okay, I, I saw a trailer. I saw John Wick again last night, and I played the trailer. They played the trailer for it. It's like I hope people watch this movie and see this trailer and be like, yeah, I guess you should see that because it's it's quite good. So, all right, let's. Uh, that's out of trademark. Let's move on. Let's get to some trailer talk. Uh, let's talk about some of the newest movie trailers of the week. When they're coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. And this week we got another showdown. Another showdown between two movies, two action movies coming up. Seemingly similar themed. Uh, we have Guy Ritchie's The Covenant and Kandahar, starring Jerry <laughs> Butler. Uh, first off, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. We'll, I'll be mean, talking about these two things, and we'll, we'll talk about them. So, Con- so Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which I assume is because too many people remember Rennie Harlan's The Covenant, so they're like, oh, we, can, we, have, to defi- <laughs> we have to differentiate between these two because people are going to go up and down the walls talking about Rennie Harlan's The Covenant, a movie that's very popular. Uh, so let's make sure we have Guy Ritchie's name in that title. Uh, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Uh, this film <laughs> stars Jake Gyllenhaal uh, as a as a as a US sergeant who's like in Afghanistan and he gets like I guess what saved by his interpreter. I from this trailer that I've seen many times at this point, I guess it seems like he gets saved, then something happens and he has to like save him or something along those lines. Uh, but it's all very dramatic, very non guy Richie. Um, and yet here he is directing th- this war drama that I assume is based around, I don't know, something, uh, even though it's, it's not, a, there's no book or anything. Just, I don't know. He's thinking about this idea. Uh, so that's Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Kandahar, uh, is Gerard Butler's latest team up with his Greenland slash Angel Has Fallen director, Rick Romanois. Uh, I guess Butler plays a, an undercover CIA operative who's stuck inside Afghanistan. Afghanistan, guys. Uh, hot place to be. Something something happens where he has to fight his way out, and he, along with his translator, see these movies are very closely tied together. <laughs> they they have to like get. Oh, this is Hollywood releases like two of the same movie every year. <laughs> yeah. This is a real volcano Dante's Peak situation. Guy Ritchie's the governor of Uh but the, so yeah, they have to like race out of Afghanistan to some extraction point in the city of Kandahar. So, with those two things in mind, Brandon, I want to ask you, which of these two films excites you more? It's tough because I'm I'm kind of even with them. I guess I would lean more towards the Guy Ritchie one just because I the la the last time he went pretty serious like this was Wrath of Man, which I loved. I thought Wrath of Man was extremely underrated, extremely underseen. Didn't love his new one. I still don't know the title of that movie, Operation Fortune, 
something or other. The Guardians of uh, the of Kahuli. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> I didn't didn't love that one, so I'm excited to see him kind of going back to a more darker. I I think he's he kind of does well with that, and it like kind of shocked me how good Wrath of Man was. Um, but at the same time, I like most of Gerard Butler's collaborations with Rick Roman Waugh. I I really like. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else he directed, and I forgot that he did Shot Caller and Snitch. What I and I think both of those are like very solid little little uh, movies too. So I don't know. These both seem so similar. I think I'd probably have to lean. I originally said Richie, but the more I think about it, I have to probably lean Butler just because I'm like all in on the Butler train. Anything he makes, I'm pretty much there for. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I I loved uh, Den of Thieves and and pretty much everything he's done since I've liked on some level. Um, but yeah, plane was a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see anything with Gerard Butler. So probably, probably Kandahar, but interested in both. The the only thing that's nearly as fun as plane is talking about what happens in plane. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Plane is so much fun to like, try to get people on board with. It's like, you got to see this. Here's what happens. And you lay out like the first act and it's like, this sounds crazy. I will Uh, say one, (laughs) one quick thing is. I'm never going to say like what movies should or shouldn't exist, but I'm kind of like a little bit done with the global war on terror movies. They feel like they're they're kind of like running dry a little bit and I don't know, just kind of burn out on them a bit. And so like these kind of movies don't feel I'm, I'm more excited for the people involved in both of these movies than I am the subject matter. I could agree because it is wild to think like, what year is this yeah, exactly doing yeah. afghanistan like, yeah. <laughs> but this, this is about the war on terror this is about a couple of bros what happens to be a translator that's all that's what's going on here hey, hey, hey where are you with this you turned into an action comedy <laughs> i'm sure there's way more jokes than, yeah. than what the the music in the trailer for a guy reaches the covenant would have you believe <laughs> i uh i'm on i'm on basically the same page as brandon's like you know, both of them are very mad to me. To be honest, like I actually don't really want to see either of them, um, primarily because exactly what you just mentioned there, Aaron. It's like this isn't like this feels like a 2004 movie or 2005 movie rather than like a 2023 movie. But I probably will have to lean on Guy Ritchie's The Covenant as well, mostly because it's called Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Um, <laughs> so, but also Guy Ritchie has done some interesting things that. Uh, I think Aaron and I are, are fans of some of his earlier work and then, you know, some of his newer work. I th- This is right where Aaron and I differ a little bit, maybe like a little bit warm, cold kind of, or warm, high kind of thing. But at the same time, like, you know, I, 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 I'm not like super interested in either of these movies because of the subject matter, because of what they're doing. Um, not that I don't like some of the people involved, but a little bit more of, I think that I've seen, you know, Greenland and I've seen, Olympus has fallen or White House Down or White House Down was not a Gerard Butler movie. But um, you know, I've seen I've seen those movies where Gerard Butler is playing cool tough guy, which is why Aaron again, like I'm basically repeating both of you guys, playing is such an interesting thing. I haven't seen it yet, but for from the way that Aaron described it, it's like this is not Gerard Butler kind of going like, give me the M16 and let me get, let me start killing people. Like, no, it's, it's a little bit different. So um I, I would lean Guy Ritchie's the Covenant just because of I'm curious to see what Guy Ritchie's doing. I don't disagree with you. Like I, I'm, I would say take it or leave it with Butler, but like it's not, he he's not bringing me to the theater automatically. It's more of like what's he what's he doing this time? What's Jerry up to? And yeah, playing worked for me, um, for various reasons. And I I I, I thought Greenland was quite good too. But um, 
Guy Ritchie's the code, Andrews because yes, it is like this is a different sort of step for him. Like even yeah, Wrath of Man, you still got Statham in there. You still got people like Boy Sweat. Ju- What's his name in that? What's his Josh Hartnett's name? In Wrath Bo- of Man? Boy, Boy Sweat Dave. Boy Sweat Dave. He's still got like <laughs> some cute stuff going on as far as the Ritchieisms in the midst of what is sure. yes a very dark neo noir essentially. Yeah, uh, where this is like he's just going. This is way different. You know, the, the closest he's been to the Middle East is Aladdin. So it's like, oh, he's doing some war movie now. <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> what's what's going on here? Forgot and, about that. <laughs> and also Gyllenhaal commits. Like, so like yeah. I I wanna I wanna know what that is um with him with Guy Ritchie in this movie. I'm curious yeah. how much he plays up his style. Um I would imagine it's probably dialed down uh to a degree here, or at least you know, more fitting of any movie that has, you know, won't back down in the trailer has an intense way to <laughs> sell the film. Uh, so, but I like, I do like a, a good straight ahead action movie like Kandahar seems to be as far as like, there's a point A, point B, sure. a lot going on. Right. Um, so like, and the, in terms of like, just like fun visceral stuff like that, that sounded, you know, that's interesting enough to me. But yeah, I, as far as like, if I'm picking between these two, the Covenant seems like, oh, I, I don't know honestly much like Aladdin it's like I don't know what Guy Ritchie does with this <laughs> I don't know what that looks like exactly so I it, you know Gyllenhaal and everything I'm, I'm curious about, I'm more cu- I'd be more curious about that one yeah um, with all that said Kandahar opens uh, May 26th and the co- Guy Ritchie's The Covenant opens April 21st oh okay I've been pretty close yeah all right enough teasing let's move on that was trailer talk now we're heading into our review of John Wick Colon chapter four. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules. New management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for John Wick on Chapter 4. 2014's John Wick nearly went direct to video before Lionsgate swooped into the last minute. 2017 Seagull was a good sized February hit. 2019's Parabellum was a summer blockbuster. Through all that time, the series has received strong reviews and built a considerable following. Now, what's Mr. Wick up to this time? Set about six months after the last film, meaning this whole series has transpired within like seven to eight months at most, <laughs> one of the senior members of the high table is using everything at his disposal to erase everything connected to the Baba Yaga. This member is the Marquis Vincent de Garmont, played by Bill Skarsgård, who has called upon one of John Wick's old friends, Kane, played by Donnie Yen, among many others, for this task. John's response is to kill everyone. But perhaps an unofficiated, sorry, an officiated duel with the Marquis could put an end to things for good. Brandon, you've told us that you've just watched the first four, all the, all the John Wick films this past week. Yeah. So I'm curious, what what's your general assessments before going into four, and then what did you think of John Wick Chapter Four? 
so loved the first one thought it was like a nice little uh almost death wishy kind of low-key movie and and it's funny i only found out after watching it that it was supposed to go to direct a video which kind of makes sense looking at it in a vacuum keanu was like definitely on a downside willem dafoe is, is maybe your biggest star in the movie outside of him and he's not afraid to do dtv um mm -hmm. neither is ian mcshane so and, and it's a much smaller scale movie um but i think what's really interesting about it and its move the its sequels is i think stahelski is a legitimate like you know not to get too like hoity-toity but he's a legitimate artist like he's putting real thought into the camera work he's putting real thought into blocking and direction and i don't think yes you see that in fight scenes in a lot of action movies but you don't see that in like the movie overall i don't think in a lot of action movies at least not lately uh, i don't want to name any you know anything specific but i i mean oh you don't want to talk about the russos yeah, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I was like, Brandon, this is a gotcha podcast. <laughs> or or uh or Stahelski's former partner who I uh -huh. I, I interviewed who was very, very nice to me and felt uncomfortable the whole time because I have liked none of his movies, but uh <laughs> but um but yeah, it's just it's so that that's what really struck me about the first John Wick and then carrying through into the next one, it's it it's a really kind of remarkable how much his artistry and confidence just grows as the series goes along. Like I think Stahelski's become of his era. I, I said this on Twitter and I got a little bit of pushback because again, haven't seen the mission impossible movies. A lot of people said Macquarie's with, with him in this. So he very well, very well maybe, but I think Stahelski's kind of become like the action filmmaker of his generation. He's and and I think that you see that carry over with these movies. I thought too, Two was my favorite, and we'll get to four. And but um, two was my favorite simply because I just I loved how much different it looked from the first one. It, it felt almost like a this is a very weird pull, but it it almost felt like a seventies Euro horror movie. Yes, how it was, oh yes, how, yeah. yeah. The use of and color it's, is a crazy. Movie. Yeah, and and then the third one kind of foregoes all the dread and like um weird existential stuff with the second one. And becomes a full-on like Hong Kong heroic bloodshed movie, which I also loved. And mm. it's like it's wild seeing all these style shifts as these movies go along. But yeah, my my general assessment is was into all of them. Thought three might have been a tad weaker than the rest. But when I said that, people kind of were like, like whoa, like did you not like three? And it's like no, this is like the difference between like A plus A, A minus. Yeah. <laughs> like right. I, I loved three. I just think three. I, I love the lore of this world. I think the movies do a really good job of world building without being overbearing. But I think three maybe slips into it a little bit too much. But four fixes that. But um, but yeah, loved loved the first three. Going into four, was blown away and couldn't believe I waited so long. So what do you think of four? I. It's my favorite one, and I think you know recency bias. Maybe, maybe I'm just on the high of the movie, but I genuinely do think that it's up there for me with Fury Road as maybe the best American action movie of like the last ten, fifteen years. It blew me away with like just I the, the last forty minutes of this movie is like might be some of the best action I've ever seen in a Hollywood produced movie ever. I just couldn't. I the the we'll probably get into it more, but the extended crane shot. I don't know how much we spoil on here, but the extended crane shot, uh, overhead with the fire breathing shotgun. 
I like almost screamed in the theater. I never do anything like that, but I couldn't. I felt like I was losing my mind watching that scene. I was like, what is going on right now? Mm -hmm. And it just so yeah, four four never felt the runtime never felt as bloated as three did, which is weird because it's much longer than three. Mm -hmm. But I think four kind of threads itself a lot better. I think it's narratively moves it moves really well and the cast is like just an endless parade of like my favorite people in the world showing up to do a in and out scene and and it's like i don't know i really really was just kind of blown away by four hopefully i'm not being too hyperbolic but i just couldn't believe how good it was no yeah i'll, I'll say right now we'll get through our general thoughts and then this movie opened to like 73 million dollars this weekend a lot of people that like john wick are probably listening to this because they've seen it already. So I think we could just go into spoilers once we get through our, our general assessments of this movie. But um, okay. Abe, I want to hear from you now. Where where going into John Wick? Where 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 have you been? And then what do you think of the film? I mean, I've always enjoyed the John Wick series. I think that uh, John, I we asked this. I think when three came out, and just what our series order is, maybe uh, on a special episode. But I had always been like one, two, three, uh, because I was like, oh, I love original like um, origin stories. And I, I I always enjoy seeing where they've come from and kind of just uh, where they are going. And, you know, one's a pretty simple story. Um, this entire series franchise is a very simple story. And Aaron mentioned earlier at the top of the show that or at the top of this review that the time of uh, that's passed in this movie is like months. Right. Not yeah. not even like years. Like he's still just after the guys who killed his dog. Um and um lent uh the the high stakes whatever like car revival type thing so um I, that was a terrible way of explaining that uh, <laughs> that uh, friend of the show uh, Peter Stormare is uh, is in John Wick two and sets off a series of events. With all that being said, though, um, I fucking love this movie. Like this movie <laughs> yes. is. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I got nervous there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I I had some serious thoughts of just being like, I think this might be the best of the of the franchise, and like really putting this as like number one, and then number one being number two, uh, kind of thing. And I think that there's just a lot going on here from the standpoint of American cinema, like what Brandon was saying. Like, I have seen Hong Kong movies since I was a kid. Like, introduced to them probably earlier than I, American movies, yes, too. But I've I've definitely seen like a lot of John Woo movies, a, a lot of like just like non English movies growing up, um, and just being like, oh, this is a great way to understand fight choreography, like action, whatever the case is. Like, there's a uh, a lot of really good influence here from Chad um, Stahelski from his time in stunt work, but also just his visual style and kind of like understanding that storytelling with action can be very effective like it's not just like cut 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 there's actually some really really great things that you can do and exactly what brandon said he actually does something very unique in this movie too with that crane shot and i was like this is something that i haven't seen like a lot of movies do um but especially like extended scenes in american movies and that's really kind of what um what makes it so unique but I think beyond that, like just sitting down and sitting in this theater and watching this movie, I have to tell you that I was engaged throughout the entire thing. And by engaged, I mean like almost sometimes literally on the edge of my seat. Like this movie is, you know how like sometimes some disease or some directors get the disease of like more, 
I'm just like, oh, well, let me just like put in like giant action set pieces. Aaron and I talked about the most recent Fast and Furious movie trailer. And Aaron, I think, was just like, well, you know, it doesn't look like they're going crazy. And then we saw like another movie uh, or we saw the Zipper Bowl. I'm sorry. It, it, yeah, it looked like the trailer like scaled down by comparison to the <laughs> right. previous one. And then, like, yeah, the Super Bowl comes out. It's like, he's driving down the Hoover Dam. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like oh. So I guess it is crazy. You know, and like, there, there's, I think some directors kind of, like, are like, well, what should we do next? Like, it has to be crazier. And this movie's like, no, how about we just, like, spend our money on locations? Yes, but also, like, some characters that, again, are popping in and out and, and some really cool set pieces here and there. But again... There's still a logic to the movie. There's still a, a a real sense of finality to this movie too that I was maybe not expecting, and I I do have to say that uh, I like that this movie is probably a huge argument for um oh yeah the Oscars should probably start including things like stunt work or you know action pieces because. This entire thing is just filled with great, great uh, blocking, stunt work, visual storytelling of it. Um, and if nothing else, give it like uh, give it like a, a, a nom for best costume design. You know, there's like some really opulent things that are happening here. Um, so I'm going to stop there, but I will just want to point out one thing specifically. So in uh, 80s and 90s Hong Kong uh, action movies, or even probably still today, there's like this idea of like a double or triple cut, which is basically just like, you know, you'll see an action item two or three times and it really makes an impact on you. Like the same uh, thing shown multiple exactly, times. Exactly, yeah, like shown multiple times. So Jackie Chan gets punched in the chest. So you see him, you see the fist coming in and then he gets punched in the chest and then like you see like a wider shot of him like falling backwards into like a table or something. So you're like, oh, that punch must have hurt. And it really registers in your brain to be like, oh, that was a powerful punch. There's one it happens probably multiple times uh, in this movie, but there's like one scene in particular where they're at the Arc de Triomphe where they're like, you know, car fighting. There's headlights that hit John Wick and you're like, oh, there's a car coming. And then he gets hit by a car and I like winced in my seat because of like the idea of like a double cut. Right. Uh, it's just like this is great stuff like this stuff here. And I haven't ever talked about Donnie Yen yet. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Like, there's just so much here that I really enjoy. But Aaron, what are your what are your general thoughts? I, I so I, I as I said, I saw this again. So I've seen it twice so far. And I made a I I when I make my notes for these things, I generally like cut some bullet points. I have like a whole section devoted to action because I don't want to forget like yeah. so many different things that we can talk about as far as the just the action in this movie because it's insane. Um, I really like the John Wick franchise. I do think two was my favorite as far as these films go, but it's like they're all really good <laughs> like it's not right, right. it's not a you know splitting hairs um but i you know just seeing this whole franchise come to life and like build upon itself without feeling like brandon said overwhelming it's just like yeah this is just just a great action series that gets what it's trying to do and doesn't really overdo it with extraneous stuff beyond just Hey, yeah, also, this is a thing in the world, but don't worry about that. It's just about people killing people. Uh, so, like, going into this one, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get more of this, and that's cool. I'm excited for that. But this movie just rocks. Like, <laughs> it's so good. It's the kind of thing where I, I saw it, like, three weeks ago for the first time. And I, it's the same deal I had with, like, Spider-Verse, where I'm like, now I have to, like, sit here for two weeks and not write anything about this until, like, <laughs> and, and to, tell people how amazing this thing is. Because uh, it's so, like, 
it's so hard to like explain why this is great and not sound hyperbolic. Like you're saying, like it's so masterful in accomplishing what it needs to, to be not just an action movie, but one that like just feels so considered in every way. Every shot in this movie is interesting, which is wild. Like every, and it's not like it's over. It's not showy direction. It's not like it's super flashy or like we're just saying with like Guy Ritchie. It's not like there's super stylization going on here. It just feels like everything has thought behind it. Every single shot, whether it's in action or just Ian McShane walking through a hallway to get to Bill Skarsgård, like everything feels like there's a purpose to why the camera is here and what went into the production design, what went into the cost design, like everything. And as I've been saying, other movies don't do this. It just feels like of all the franchises, this one is like, why not make it look good? Right. Like we just saw, you know, Ant-Man a couple weeks ago and whatever. And it's like, these movies look so terrible and they cost double this movie. It's ridiculous. And this movie's like so colorful and the action is so clear and the character just scenes of people talking like just feel different. They feel like I want to be engaged in this conversation, and not because like the quips are good, but because it just looks like a movie. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't recall when we like just lost the idea of movies should look like movies. Therefore, that's a benefit to us. But that's where we seem to be, and it's like as far as Hollywood kind of studio movies go. And here we are now with something that can remind you, like yeah, you can spend a decent amount of money and get something that looks as good as this and just be, and just bet everyone's going to yeah like that. And so good. Great. Like there's so much here that's worth praising. Like you guys have already mentioned. I will just add that like Keanu Reeves, I, I don't think it's, I don't think he's given enough credit for how good he is in these where like, mm-hmm. yes, physically like he's doing the work here. It does not look easy to do these stunts, but like making his kind of stoic, dry wit demeanor come through the way it does, that's entirely in his wheelhouse, and he's doing it very good. Uh, Donnie Yen is, I like that he's basically a co lead in this movie, not just like the latest guy who he eventually has to fight. He's like in this movie throughout the movie, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, the same, I think, for uh, Shamir Anderson, who I also quite liked here as the tracker. Mm-hmm. I thought he was very good. And then, yeah, everybody else, like, Bill Skarsgård gets dressed to the nines throughout this movie, and it's great. Um, he... Im- impeccable suits. Uh-huh. It just looks fantastic and yeah. plays a plays the, the kind of bad guy where you're like, oh, man, this guy deserves everything coming to him, but I can't, like, not enjoy watching him, like, sure. relish being another evil character. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's just so many, like, other people that pop up here that are just so much fun to watch. I think Fishburne is the best he's been in this series. Like, I, I've been kind of hazy on him in the past right. two wrenches and this one it's like oh he just feels like he's right here and everyone i think just kind of works as far as what they're supposed to do and the gravitas they bring i mean there's scenes with yen and hiroki sonata uh another just great japanese actor yeah. um who like there's so little that we know about like he's this is the first time he's in this movie there's so little we know about these characters and yet the scenes they have where they're just like you know trading off a few lines of dialogue you can feel like a whole history yeah. <laughs> there that just registers in a way that, you know, many movies can't like quite pull off. Right. Uh, you mentioned like Oscars for stunts and like, like this should be like, I don't know what else Lionsgate's got coming down the pipeline in, you know, 2023, <laughs> but this should be every category. I'm not even joking. Donnie Angel is supporting I would, actor I would, nomination. I'd be happy for that. Cinematography, oh, totally. art direction, sound picture like it's the healthy no... for director to uh-huh. be honest with you yeah like, of course no, very much yeah. so like there's no like 
I don't, I don't see a reason why this doesn't get the, the same. I mean, Fury yeah. Road got that. Fury Road got, what, 14 yeah. nominations or whatever, like, or 10. Uh, it, it won a lot. And um, that's based off a world that, like, doesn't have any water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this has tons of water. Yeah. You well, see all one, the water one in thing, that one scene? <laughs> I, I'm still mad they didn't nominate Tom Cruise for Best Actor. He should have been. He, I think he was better than... It would have saved the Oscars. It would have been, like, in a different parallel. It would have been a different timeline. I don't want to go down this road too much, but I think he was better than like three out of five of the nominees for best actor this year. And that's I, the tease for the next article that Brandon's writing. Exactly. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I, oh, sorry. I just, I, re, I, I fully enjoyed this movie. I think it's yeah. fantastic. I agree that it like, it's nearly three hours does not feel like I'm burdened with watching a long movie. It's like, I get a lot of this good. Like, please. Yeah. To entertain me with all this great stuff that you're throwing at me. It's a fantastic film. Very much one yeah. of the best action films of this past decade. Yes, easily ranks up there with these supremely great action movies like Fury Road or The Raid or the Mission Impossible movies that Brandon hasn't yeah. seen yet. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. Well, I wanted to really quickly, well, maybe not quickly, but just touch on what something Abe brought up about the the filmmaking in this movie does feel purposeful. And I was reading an interview with Stahelski last night where he talks about, he's talking about the fetishization of the Warner and how it's something that a lot of directors love to do without any real thought into why they're doing it other uh -huh. than this looks cool. And he brought up a good point that it was like, if you're not thinking about it in, you know, in terms of your story, in terms of the craft, it it kind of just washes over an audience after a while because you're like, yeah, this is cool, but I'm not really getting anything from it. Yeah. And it kind of becomes overplayed. And what, what I found so fascinating about the one or the overhead crane shot in this movie is it stops briefly to have a, you know, like a, a two shot close up, I think was what, what it stops with mm -hmm. between Wick and someone else. And then it goes right back to the crane shot. And it's like, he's not afraid to break the continuity of that incredible shot to do something with the story because he knows it matters mm -hmm. and then goes right back to that crane shot. He's like, don't worry, I'm going to give you more of that, but you know, I want to tell this story still. And I, right. I think that's such a smart way to go about it. And it's, it, it really sets him apart from a lot of his contemporaries because they're not thinking of stuff like that. They're just thinking of, you know, how can I make this look dope, which is, right. is a cool thing in and of itself. But I think he's just, he's a lot smarter about this stuff. If you wanted to go a step further, which I think this does, yeah, absolutely. You want to like be able to tell the stuff. Like what I, the, I've said this constantly, but like, you know, it's great when you can see the plot within an action sequence as far as having a beginning, middle, and end. And yes. something I feel yeah. like it's very lost in a lot of action scenes, especially when it comes to ones that are highly influenced by special effects, is that they feel so interchangeable. I think the best example I've always had is Dark of the Moon, where, there's an entire hour set in Chicago of Transformers blasting each other, which is like, cool. If you want to be, see Transformers blasting each other, not against that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Michael Bay has done this better. And I do think the problem with that sequence is that you can, you can replace those scenes. You can, ju you can juggle them around and get the same kind of outcome. And it doesn't really feel any, you know, I don't feel anything about that. There's no, there's no rhythm to it beyond and here's the latest scene where Starscream fights Optimus or whatever where yeah. this movie like every action scene like there's a plot there's a you know there's a there's a a, a progression of what's happening why right. it's happening where it ends and I and there's so many distinct set there's so many distinct set pieces in John Wick yeah I mean, we haven't talked about Scott Atkins either 
Yeah, yeah, which def, which defeated very much so is exactly the example of that, where it's, it has yeah. a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end as far as what's right. going on in that sequence. And that that's this whole yeah. movie, it does that, which is amazing. before we Before we go on further as well, I just wanted to also say that, Aaron, I also thought about The Raid, and I was like, Gareth Evans should have never stopped making The Raid. Like, he needs to finish this series out so that the <laughs> two movies can cross paths. And just be like, oh, he's got a John Wick has to travel to like fucking Indonesia now. <laughs> the thing with the raid is, I think it's just exhausting for him to make those. I think that's it why is, he yeah, stopped here. It's like, but I mean, that you, you mentioned that. I also love about that movie when I was watching this as well. And again, mm-hmm. just the way that you are able and this, this, you know, uh, is he British? Gareth? Gareth is British. Yeah, he's British. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like this British films. filmmaker just is able to translate, uh, again, Thai, Hong Kong you know, uh, Indonesian action movies um, into like this very legible thing is incredible. So yeah, I agree with the Brandon for sure that, um, you know, Chad here, he did decide to like challenge himself to some degree where it's like, let me think about these things. And then let me also try and explore it because I, I, I was very engulfed in that space, in that specific like crane shot se- sequence. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if he had shot this flat and regular, like it would have just been the, the, uh, the catacombs again. And you're just like, well, I've seen this already. You know what I mean? Like I've seen John wick two and I've seen, that's a great sequence that he's got to do, you know, with breakfast or with, um, uh, his, his, um, I forget how, uh, he just gets described like dessert and, yeah yeah, the, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but i was like you know we would have seen that and that would have been fun and that would have been cool but at the same time like what he decided to just be like let me just do this for you and not even like you know uh, a quick cut it's like there's it's just a slow pan out and you're just like what is happening here and it's not even for uh like 30 seconds it's like an entire sequence so Again, like you've seen this done sometimes in Hong Kong movies where they're just like they'll they'll do the crane shot, but they don't they don't do it for like ten minutes of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I like um a lot uh, as far as like the nature of you know continuous shots or just how to structure your action goes is like watching it and watching it again just to watch it, you know, for more of the stake sake, sake. Um th- so much of this is about precision when it comes to like, you know, arming stunt people with the moves required or what have you, let alone Reeves and everybody else. Yeah. And it's neat to like, not, the, it's not the length of the scene that matters here, but like seeing how many moves are able to connect within a single camera shot before they cut to the next thing um, and having that flow so succinctly. And it's wild to think about like the technical precision needed, the rehearsal time needed or whatnot to like get through sequences, like the one like Japan, continental sequence with reeves using nunchucks uh mm-hmm. and like thinking about all the work that goes into that and how many like times you can do a certain you know series of fight moves before you have to cut to the next scene and it's just it's just so so impressive <laughs> like just to see yeah. like think about all this coming together and presumably without any major accidents that we haven't heard about like it just seems like everything worked <laughs> the way that yeah it needed and to. the husky had a, a, a good quote about uh you know i think he was asked about rust or something like that and he's like you know we have the technology we have the capacity to do things without live ammunition and i don't it's just a matter of like directors making choices and spending the time and money on that so again like in terms of people being hurt I can only imagine that somebody's back is sore because they had to fall on like a glass table, you know, <laughs> uh, multiple times uh, to get the right shot. But yeah, yeah as I, far as as far as like I appreciate, stunt, I, was I, was gonna, say, I just appreciate stunt guys doing uh, action moves like this and and thinking about everybody involved. 
Yes, you know, Stahelski, you know, he's, if there's one person that's going to be concerned of safety on set, it's Stahelski, given that he right. was involved famously with The Crow. Like, that's very much, right. you know, in, yeah. in his backstory. So it's like, yeah, there's a guy that very much wants to have control over a set, despite, yes, the numerous uses is of, of firearms and what have you. Like, yeah. he, he's... He's, I imagine he has things quite under control and it pays off here. <laughs> like Everything just looks so good um, in the sense of I certainly don't fetishize guns myself in any way, but like watching a movie like this, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like just seeing all the yeah. uses these guys have of the gun foo in, in various forms, various locations and making it all look very diverse. Like there's, you know, John Wick shoots people in the face. That's his thing. But somehow it looks different in every sequence he's doing it. In, and it's very impressive. I I love the the story. Like you you mentioned the storytelling within an action scene, and I think the best example of that is the stare scene. It, mm-hmm. It's like not only is he exhausted, but you're exhausted with him. Right. It's, I just think that it, it that that whole sequence is so fun for me too because I mean. Stahelski calls his shot multiple times in this series by, you know, we see Buster Keaton multiple times throughout uh-huh. the series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, like, th- there's just such a fun through line with that staircase scene in particular of like, almost the history of this kind of cinema, like just with, you know, Buster Keaton, Jackie Chan, even the jackass guys, to some extent, all like, coming together in that sequence, to where, you know, there's just like, such a reward for him and you, for him getting to the top of the stairs. And then when Marco Zorora stops him and he falls yeah, all the way back yeah. down the stairs, it's like that my, I, I haven't, I've, I don't think I've ever been in a theater where I've heard an exasperated laughter before. <laughs> yes. Like from every, from the audience. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened when, when he, when Zorora pushes him back down the stairs. Like, and, yeah. and I, by the way, I love seeing Marco Zorora in this. Like he's as a beast in a suit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of those guys that's just like so charismatic, so handsome, just can fight, do all do a lot of his own stunts, much like Scott Adkins. Right. And it's just nice to see him in a big role like this because he he deserves it. Yeah. That uh that staircase sequence, by the way, I don't think I've ever gotten this excited for a justice sound cue than I did watching. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, like all right, we're doing this, and then the fucking <laughs> techno beat kicks in. It's like this is great. This is so good. <laughs> um, speaking uh, of uh, charismatic and handsome, yeah, Scott Adkins in this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I I will say this, Brand. I am not nearly the Scott Adkins fan that you are. Um, I, I, and it's mainly because I generally saw like his movies where he's playing like the straight lead and it's like, sure, the fight scenes are no doubt impressive, mm-hmm. but I've only just recently caught up with the, uh, the accident man films. And, um, and I saw day shift last year right? and now this, and I'm like, oh, okay. This is where I like him. I like him operating in this. Like he has a sense of humor about himself while doing this stuff. Even oh, like it, even like in love... Man Four, I think he like there's mustache twirliness that I enjoy. Yeah, but uh... you would love Avengement then. Avengement's like one of that's his, what like, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Th- he's he's like that's probably his best performance. But this, I was I, I'm not like a huge fat suit guy. You know, I I think sure. that it's kind of I, I was a little bit wary. I actually had heard about from a friend who's friends with uh, Derek Kolstad and the you know a few people involved in this movie. I had heard like. 10 months ago that Adkins was going to be in a fat suit in this. And I like, was like, Oh no. Mm-hmm. And like, I just was sitting on that for the longest time. And then when it was finally revealed, I saw the reactions on Twitter and I knew exactly what it was going to be. Like uh-huh. there, 
there's going to be a lot of people upset about it. And I, I think there's reason to be upset about that sort of thing. But all of that said, it's so perfect for this kind of movie where most of the audience might not know who he is. So uh-huh. when this yeah. big guy busts out a spin kick like that, my audience lost their mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I... like there's a push and pull with it. It's like, I don't yeah. think it needs to happen, but it's like, at the same time, it was such a perfect like way to reveal that this guy can do like th- yeah. these amazing things. When that sequence happened, I was thinking to myself, Oh man, like Scott Atkins in a fat suit. Like I heard he was in the movie, but like this, <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, well, you know, he's, he's playing like a, a, a mid-level henchman and they've got a really cool card game that happens during that scene. I laughed when nobody else did when Donnie Ann was like, uh, he's got to turn in his cards and you know, he's blind, so he can't see them. And I was just like, this is a funny joke. And nobody laughed with me. Um, our our theater laughed, Abe. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just in the wrong theater. I was like, guys, of course he's, he's going to turn all of his cards uh, in because he doesn't know what he has, but uh, actually he does. But um, when Scott Atkins, yes, fight, I was like, great. I'm glad because Scott Atkins is, is an excellent martial artist. Um, I mean, everybody here is a martial artist for real, and I, that really helps too. Is like when you can get people that actually know how to fight and actually know how to like do the kicks and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed that Scott Atkins has his moment to shine, and it's gonna be great when he gets cast as the Kingpin. It, <laughs> it, um, it's a, it is a, I like that whole sequence is great as far as so much of the series has been about like the the way people can kind of this assassin world exists but like civilians are just like oblivious yes yeah and this is one that like strains credulity as far as they're in the middle of a rave and people are like shooting each other and like it happened half... in part two as well it, it, <laughs> in part one. But I, it doesn't not yeah there's all like, I know. raves raves are a big part of this franchise yeah. but it's like yeah. these guys are they're brawling like, in the middle of a party <laughs> and people are like half dancing and some are like actually showing concern and it's less about like i hope someone doesn't get hurt it's more like will i be able to dance in the spot again i don't know and it's just really funny it's just <laughs> like all this play out music right. pumping people are dancing colors are everywhere and yeah. yeah you get the you get to see what killer like display like okay yeah this guy's a brawler like he could just swing right. john wick around <laughs> with his arms and like throw him off of things and it's funny yeah. that he he keeps trying to run away from the fight like he's like uh-huh. be, because when he does actually fight he like kind of kicks john wick's ass a few yeah. times yeah. it's like why do you keep running away he's like <laughs> it's very funny um but i i love that about stahelski is that he's always giving these people who you know are maybe goon number three in most movies but right. then in like these small dtv movies they're leading men I-, I love that he gives them their moments like he, it, it even goes back to the first one uh daniel bernhardt is one of the henchmen, henchmen. For, the, uh, yeah. for the villain and in most movies like that he might get a kick or a punch in here and there but he actually beats the shit out of john wick in that he, in their he first throws fight. Him off right he throws him off yeah the, off the yeah balcony. and then he later shows up in barry yeah, yeah, well, yes, he's he like in, he's in like Barry's best episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah so it, it's like I I really just appreciate that Stahelski has such an appreciation for these guys and really gives them their due because he came up the same way as a lot of them and it's just really sure. yeah really lovely yeah, it, to see that. It is really great to have. I mean, if you guys look closely, he's in this movie too. Um, uh, I thought he was. I, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's like he's one of the guys I was putting on like the vest. Uh, yeah, in, in the I, sequence. I recognized that, and I was I was like, "Wait, is that him?" And I was waiting for him to show up when the whole warriors stuff was happening. Yeah, people keep showing up trying to kill Wick. I was like, 
because like you see him arming up for that and i was like wait and i guess that was just throwing him a little bone it's again just like him in the movie and also like beardy guy from the first movie is also in this movie yeah uh, yeah so it's a lot of the same stunt characters which is great but and i thought that at first i thought oh well he's using he's john wooing it where it's like you've seen in face off you see one guy get blown away and then the next scene sean archer is coming in and the guy's like standing right next to him <laughs> and you're like <laughs> didn't he get killed by a shotgun like 30 <laughs> seconds ago but um, no, it's very I think much it's, a, it, it's like a Leone move. Leone's always using like the same people in his west yeah, yeah, over and over is, again, just playing yeah. different characters. But it's uh, cool to to see them show up here. So I I appreciate that Chad the hell's just being like, yeah, I know how hard it is, and and I was like, I wonder if like a guy that I know from like Cal Wushu is in this, but I have I did not see him. <laughs> I just want to point out that yes, there's a you know in the the last act of this movie it becomes the warriors and i'm just thinking well the warriors is one of my favorite movies ever and it's like this is great <laughs> i am yes do all this you want to please i am so happy that we're just doing yeah. the warriors now for john wick it's, just to get to this place and everybody's coming after him oh it, it's God. so cool how like the first three movies kind of take on their own tone like i was talking about earlier like first one's kind of like death wish second one's kind of like 70s euro horror third one's kind of just straight up like 80s 90s hong kong this one is like a million different things that all work together very well it's like a greek tragedy it's it's like uh a western it becomes warriors for part of it it just like he's throwing it's it almost feels like i know there's talk of a fifth john wick in development apparently there's a post-credit scene to this that i there didn't is. know about and I, i've been finding out that a lot of people didn't know about that and i wish i had stayed now so i guess they are developing more in this world i know they're doing a ballerina the ballerina movie, movie yeah. and they've talked about this continental yeah. series for a while yeah but i just it it does feel like there is a finality to the john wick character right. so it was mm -hmm. i i like that they kind of threw everything at the wall and it somehow all worked together as like something that made sense it like yeah. them thematically so let's talk um, about this a little bit though let's talk about the story I, I i'm curious how effective you guys thought the kind of the the actual story being told in this movie is beyond just hey look how great this action looks <laughs> yeah I, I i really dug it and what i mean by that yeah. is like it's not that it's like the most you know difficult thing to navigate or what have you it's more of i like that ian mcshane is sitting on john's shoulder being like john what's the what's going to happen next? Like, you're just going to kill all these people and keep killing them. It's like yeah. in other movies that would be it. And in this one, there's like, it actually comes up with a few times. It's like, what does violence beget? Like just more violence. Right. And then also like you, you're not an unstoppable killing machine. I know that we set you up as like this Bobby Yaga guy and you have been killing people with pencils and, and playing cards. But at the same time, like, you know, again, what, what happens here? Like what keeps happening? And to be honest, like we lost Lance Reddick last week. Very tragic. And how, very much yeah, very tragic. He was 60 years old. Um, and then in this movie, something happens to his character like pretty early on. And I was like, oh, I that's what a weird, like, you know. It sets up stakes. It's, it's it up, like, does, you know, yeah. No take backs. <laughs> yeah, no take no takey backies, but also at the same time, you're just like, yes, I'm glad that there is a sense of these things do not continue um in this movie. So I yeah, I did like that there is a sense of, again, finality to this, but uh, the plot itself is just like, yeah, well, what happens when you get to the high table? Well, you know, what can happen along the way is more of like the story that David, or I'm sorry, uh, Chad is trying to try to tell. Brandon, how about you? What do you think of the, the, the story of this film? Oh, I would just echo a lot of what Abe just said. I really did like that. And, and what you said, uh, that I just, I really dug that you know again 
sort of simple. You know, all these movies have a fairly simple story. Um, mm -hmm. But I like, I like the finality of, you know, you don't get to do this forever. And it's, right. it, it's, you know, what are you doing this for? And it's like, he's kind of lying to himself saying that he wants to live to, re to remember his wife. And it's, I like that, you know, the whole, I love the whole bit with the, you know, loving husband. Uh, bit mm -hmm. that, that I find these movies very touching in a way that I don't find the most action movies. Um, they, they make me a little emotional in some ways. And, and I found this one to be like very resonant with that. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with the words, but, uh, but no, it, it, it's just this really lovely through line of, of course, you know, there's like, I, I don't love, I, I don't actually love all the killing, <laughs> you know, it's not something mm -hmm. I'm like, a what you would want to see in the world but it is nice there is this lovely through line of like honor and you know loyalty and everything right and and i think that the relationship that he and ian mcshane have throughout the series is really kind of sweet in some ways mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I i i like i like the story a lot nothing spectacular about it but i but i think it's works well with within you know the action and everything I kind of I, lost my lost my train of thought at the end there. No, you're fine. No, I, I agree with you though. I, I I do think, and again, I think it comes down to what Reeves is bringing to this. Where there are, you know, there's the junkie version of this, which is you know like old Charles Bronson films where things are just happening, but they don't really mean right. much beyond yeah, the, you know, seeing it happen and being like, oh, I'm caught up at the moment. This one, I for these films, I do think because you know, like the you have the basics as far as yeah his wife died and the puppy represents his wife and so it's like i get the emotional connection you're supposed to have but i think it's maintained throughout this series in a way that is effective so yes because john wick is a likable guy that's why he has friends all over the place you feel for the fact that he's doing this with a purpose even if it gets away from him in some ways or whatnot like there's enough nuance there to give his character like depth in a way that you don't necessarily think about in the moment all the time because of so much of the you know excessive action taking place sure but, but you have like you're mentioning brandon like the sense of honor what have you that's straight out of kurosawa you know that's that's him yeah. like you can yes you can make it look amazing and stage these grand things but you can also have scenes of wick and john donnie in in a church exchanging a few lines and have that feel like there's so much there's there's a lot there that's not being said right right make that register in a way that tracks so like yeah, I very much enjoyed the story being told here because I like all of these characters. I think it's not about like quantity of lines or right. backstory or whatnot that makes me feel for it. It's just like, no, you have a lot of really talented people here speaking in the wording that makes sense for this franchise that we've seen three movies before yeah. prior. It's like, I don't need new stuff. And that brings me to like the nature of the, you know, the high table and all the, the mythology going on here. It's like, I, I don't... I, I don't none of this feels convoluted to me. For one thing, it's right. The the, the basic plot is people want to kill this guy. Like yeah, there's a number on his head. And any, anyone that's saying like you know there's too much mythology involved in this is like what? Like who cares? Like what? What is holding you? Like this is an advanced. Well, I care, and I'll, I'll come back to that. <laughs> it's not yeah. advanced Russian literature here, guys. Right. It's like <laughs> if you you don't have to see the other John Wicks to be like, I wonder how this works. It's like <laughs> God, yeah. there's guys with guns. They're shooting at this guy. He's killing them. Like what? Right. That's it. Like yeah. if you want to study up more, you can. But like there's not. It's not a right. giant commitment of time that you're going to be needing to understand the 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 depth of what the high table is right yeah yeah exactly i'm also just a i'm i'm a sucker for 
fading action stars kind of reckoning with their own mortality oh, on screen. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And like this is all about that. Top Gun Maverick's all about that. Um and the the uni- Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning is all about that. Oh. Um, yeah. It, like, like like Unforgiven kicked that off back in ninety two. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. these guys aren't gonna be around forever. What if they just talked about that? <laughs> yeah. And like like I only bring up Universal Soldier because it's it's my favorite version of that because that yeah. stars Scott Adkins and that whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like Dolph and JC VD kind of like pushing against and then ultimately giving way to the fact that they can't do this anymore. But there's a guy right. who can, and his the re, the replacement is here, and they just have to accept it. And I love stuff like that, and I feel like this kind of traffics a little bit in that too. Yeah, and again, Aaron, going back to your um, your point about just this world that's been set up here why i did not question a lot of like the club you know people are dancing and and people are having dinner at Mm -hmm. one point in this movie in france and then there's like shooting going on is because they have been setting up for three movies that this is an underground world that does exist on top of our world and they kind of take great care to like not really involve anybody that is there's no collateral damage in these exactly like common shooting john wick with a, a silenced <laughs> pistol while they're walking to the subway uh-huh. is a great example of this, which is like, Oh, well, I guess that people are just around them all the time, but they're just like, Hey man, there's like this code here. There's like this honor among thieves kind of thing. And I dug that about it. Again, this movie is not very difficult to understand because they have set up these, these rules and these rules kind of just are very simple to understand. And that's why I think Brandon, when you're mentioning earlier that three kind of is maybe the, the most uh, packed of the franchise is I think that they were just like, well, where does this go? Like maybe even uh, Chad woke up one day. He's like, I don't know if I should be making this movie where John actually reaches the high table because again, where does that keep going? It's like they, they do great uh, lines in this movie of just like, the guy's going to be replaced before his body turns cold. John, like you can't keep doing this. Exactly. And it's and... very true. Yeah, exactly. And, and I actually really like that. They took into great consideration, like these, these movie villain lines. Um, one of them being that, but also this great, great line that, that um, Skarsgård has. of just like the three things that John, John Wick doesn't have. And yet the three things that Kane, you know, Donnie Yen does have and why that matters in character motivation. And I was like, this is what people don't understand when they're writing like some of these action movies is like, Uh you can't have this guy just all of a sudden like turn into, you know, uh, and I'm thinking of specifically like the Fast Fast and Furious franchise here. It's like, you can't have him turn into, you know, a superhero because X, Y, and Z did not happen to him. Like this is continuity is not really there, right? So I, that's why I like just like there is a point where this does become too much and Chatter's like, I'm going to stop it before it becomes too much. Something I really like about the characters, by the way, especially specifically Yen, Wick and uh, the tracker, nobody, um, <laughs> is the fact that like throughout the movie, they're teaming up in varying ways. Like it keeps right. the relationship keeps fluctuating as far as if they're going to help each other out or be fighting against each other. And the fact that it makes that not seem ridiculous is very impressive to me. It's like I get yeah. I get the motivations of them in every sequence in, that they're involved with as far as why they're either shooting at John Wick or shooting with John Wick. Right, right. Uh, oh, we, one... Yeah. Oh, oh, no, go ahead. I just, I just think we need to wrap up. I know. Yeah. I just <laughs> want to mention like one more thing, but yeah, go on, Brent. Please, please, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I just was gonna say if if we are getting close to wrapping up, I I don't want to go by without saying uh, or without mentioning Rina Sawayama, who really really impressed me in this movie. I yeah. I'm a little familiar with her music. I like what I've heard of it, but I wasn't expecting her to actually. I mean, I guess I should have because everyone kicks ass in these movies, but she really kind of floored me with how well she took to the action choreography, which really shouldn't be a surprise because I guess it's very similar to dancing and. Um, I don't know. She just kind of blew me away in this. And if, from what I've heard, the post credit scene is all about her and right. Kane. So if, if this is the direction they're going with these movies, I'm kind of excited about it because she was awesome. It does feel like if we're getting ballerina next, that because yeah. the John Wick films are generally not the heaviest on a female point of view, th- her involvement would make a lot of sense in that regard, as far as yeah. doing more yeah. with that and other, you know, female assassins in this world. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention is I know they didn't like really film here in the same way like that Fallout did, but seeing a whole sequence in the Arc de Triomphe in France is pretty crazy. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Watching this, <laughs> right. these cars right. flying around while they're having fights in the streets. Right. Uh, John Wick dry- the, There's a shot where it's like some a continue- collateral damage there. It's a. Eh. You know, yeah, yeah. people get cars fixed. No idea. There, there's this other shot where Kajan Wick, with both doors, you know, blown off his car, he's like circling around and shooting a bunch of people while doing yeah. like a donut in like one. Sh- it's crazy. Like, there's so much stuff here. Right. That's so well. And rampant. again, they've explained a lot of things. They're like, well, why does he shoot so straight? Like, isn't there a kickback? No, Lawrence Fisher explained that the gun is perfectly a super cool gun. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. With you guys teeth. need to pay attention. With vicious fucking teeth. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, my last final thought is um, the movie villains in here are delicious. Like, oh yeah, Bill Skarsgård, chop it! Like worst French French accent I've ever heard, but also like just like eating scenery, but also being a really good bad guy. Oh yeah, and, like this is what people need to like buy into. It's just like if you're gonna be, you should you should not be afraid to be be playing villain roles or be played to like uh, afraid to like do weird roles because. You know, the outcome is going to be great the more that you commit to it. And <laughs> he's got great suits. He's got, like, an incredible, like, house? Is that his house? It's like a museum. He has a lot of patience. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so good. Like, again, Skarsgård, Bill has just done, he, he's probably done the most interesting work of his family. I mean, I Stellan, sure. But also, like, you know, and his brother's also. I, I just saw Gustav Skarsgård in Air, and it's a revelation. I'm kidding. I can't remember oh, what he I was did like, wow. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he was certainly in it. Because yeah. I saw him in the credits. I'm like, oh, Gustav's in there. All the Skarsgårds are being represented. All the Skarsgårds are getting work, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Skarsgård doing work. And again, like, I think that there is a really good sense of... um. Uh, use of location here. We talked about Scream 6 not too long ago and how like, oh, well, maybe you could use New York differently. I know that they're different genres of movies, mm-hmm. but this one's like, let me like show you that there's the, the neon signs of Osaka or, you know, live in it too. And then let me show you like parts of France where it's like, you know, the subway system that almost look like the set of Amelie to some degree, you know? So there, there's like really interesting uses of location. For sure. I, and Bill Scars, he's doing he's his accents from East France, Abe. So I mean, oh, it, you know, got it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone <laughs> in East France sounds like that. Yeah, this <laughs> is like the yeah. This is exactly why you know the um uh, what's his face didn't get caught in in uh, Inglorious Bastards because he's from you know he's from a small part of Germany. It's in the yeah. hills. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Fassbender. Uh, yeah, but the the two thing that gave him away. Um, <laughs> his brother's very handsome. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, we've talked a lot about John Wick Chapter 4. I think we are big fans of this movie, just taking a guess. But when should people go and see the film? Brandon, when should people see this movie? Uh, if they haven't yet, they should immediately. Um, it, I mean, well, if you haven't seen any of them, do what I did and watch them all in a row. It's well worth your time. You don't <laughs> you don't feel the time pass with them. Yeah. Abe? You know, I've only seen this movie once, I would say, in theaters, but I want to go see it in IMAX, and I'll get back to you with a firmer IMAX recommendation. But this movie is uh, the the topper to the to the quadrilogy here, and yeah, it really should be considered for uh, Oscars. Oh, and really quickly, I will say, I, you brought up IMAX. I saw it in Dolby, and I've never... The, the seats were vibrating in a way i have never experienced Ooh. in a dolby theater it, it almost felt like 40x maybe you have to watch it in both formats <laughs> to, to lay the uh, the press card on the table i saw this at imax headquarters the first time and oh, um, nice. it was a uh, great <laughs> to see it that way uh dad's movie corner he came with me he fucking loved this movie also nice. <laughs> so like this is the greatest thing uh but i saw it again yesterday in the premium theater in rpx for regal as opposed to dolby and uh yes very impressive to watch and that's certainly what the way i say to see it see it on the biggest screen possible it's fantastic well with your time all the bang for your buck literally because there's a lot of bangs and right. you get a lot of time um so there john wick four chapter four great <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. great <laughs> all right uh let's move let's quickly move on now abe what uh what time is it here we're, we're speed running here toward the end here it's uh time for games little known fact that's actually the gun noise that the Aaron made for the movie. But they're like, no, 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 no. That doesn't sound like a gun. That's every time you reloaded, I thought you should do this. And then yeah. they, they didn't go that yeah. way. <laughs> really would work. Also, best great, great reloads in this movie. Like throughout oh, the movie, just sure. seeing some quick ass reloads. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Great. All right. I have a game for you guys. Great. It is called Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Okay. <laughs> it's an action movie trivia game. I'm going to read to you all. Uh, all I'm going to read to both of you <laughs> uh, multiple choice questions. Um, and you, if you think you know the answer, you buzz in and name the answer. Great. I will say some of these you might know already before I even say the options that you have offered. I'm going to say I'm not against you buzzing early. So if okay. you feel you know the answer, just buzz in. All right. Here's here we go. I got I got a lot of these. So <laughs> I a lot of action <laughs> movies to go through. Um, here's the first one. What's the gas used to turbo cars in Fast and Furious? Sulfur Abe. dioxide. Yeah, Abe. NOS. <laughs> I guess nitrogen oxide. You're, you're, you're so close. <laughs> I'm going to read the options. Dinitrogen di oxide? Sulfur dioxide. Nitrous oxide, nitrogen dioxide. Hey, nitrous oxide. It is nitrous oxide. <laughs> I was like, oh, my chemistry teacher is probably so mad at me right now. I don't know the chemical formulation for. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. How many people does John Wick kill in John Wick? 34, 53, 77, 128. I'm going to. Oh. I think it's. I want to go lower, but I'm going to go C. Yeah, 77 that yeah that is correct wow yeah see i almost went lower but i felt like me maybe, too yeah. i was like i thought it was like 20 what <laughs> he kills he kills like more than 20 people in that nightclub alone <laughs> yeah that's yeah, true yeah, yeah. that's true yeah. um i guess there's already 12 people at his house yeah. we're probably yeah, exactly. up to like a thousand by uh John <laughs> oh before. yeah I'm, my friend of the show mark hoffmeyer um, has the count I'm, and I'm sure he's trying to log in chapter four as much as he can so he can get the exact count on that one nice <laughs> thanks mark 
128 is for John Wick Chapter 2, by the way. He kills 128 okay. people. Yeah. <laughs> um, remember, buzz it with your name. <laughs> um, <all> right. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Here's the next one. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, what was the name of the snake-filled pit into which Indy and Marion were thrown? Oh, the Den gosh. of Mortality, the Cave of Humanity, the Well of Souls, the Den of Sin. Abe. Abe? The Well of Souls. The Well of Souls is the correct answer. I forget that these are multiple choice. <laughs> Here's the next one. Which film features a fight scene in which Bruce Lee breaks Jackie Chan's neck? Fist of Fury, The Big Boss, Game of Death, Enter the Dragon. Oh, why am I blanking on this? I know this one. I don't know, but I want to guess. Well, I'm going to guess B, A, B. Big Boss is incorrect. Okay. Can you can you name them? Can you Fist name of Fury, the Fist of okay. Fury, Big Boss, Game of Death, Enter the Dragon. Abe said Big Boss. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll go with Fist of Fury. I don't know why I'm forgetting this. It's Enter the Dragon. It is. Yes. That that's crazy. I did not know. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, I don't think he killed Jackie Chan in like one of like the bigger movies. Yeah. Enter the Dragon. Wow. Yeah. All right. Here's the next one. Okay. And Roll and Roll a Run. How long does Lola have to obtain 100,000 Deutschmarks? 24 hours, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, 60 minutes. Okay. Uh, Brandon. I thought it was eight hours. Brandon. But... I think it's 60 minutes. Incorrect. Oh. Uh, Abe, A. 24 hours? Yeah. It's 20 minutes. See, I knew it okay. was yeah. I, I knew it was a minute, but I, I thought it was an hour. Okay. So I see, I that's why, that's why I see it three so times. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have time to see it's not a three hour movie. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, you do see 20 minutes. Yep. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Next one. What 90s action film features the character Miguel Bain, the specialist, Desperado, Assassins, The Mask of Zorro? Miguel Bain. Miguel Bain. That that's not even ringing any bells. Yeah, I'm gonna say Abe. Abe. C. Assassins? Yes. Yeah, Assassins. Were you saying assassins or were you saying Desperado? No, 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 assassins. Because assassins yeah. is the correct answer. Okay, yeah, I was like, that's the most ridiculous one of the <laughs> Miguel Bane. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah, and that is Antonio Banderas's character in that movie. It'd be yeah. way funnier if it was Stallone's character. <laughs> <laughs> I remember no, that so time where he Stallone's kills like, the boyfriend. Bane. Yeah, he kills the boyfriend. And he's like, "I love you very much," or something like that. Some some stupid line. Here's the next one. Which of these is not one of the ex president's masks in Point Break? Nixon, oh. Reagan, Carter, Ford. Uh, Brandon. Brandon. I'm going to say, I was so confident about this. I'm going to say Carter, but I don't think I'm right. It's incorrect. See, I knew it. Then Abe, it's got to be Ford. It is Ford, yes. Yeah, see, I... I felt like Ford was too too easy because he's such a an anonymous president. But yeah. I was like, oh, maybe maybe he is in there, and it's a trick question. I, I had to wait for you to go first because like I'm not sure either. <laughs> I overthought. Car- that Carter's one. a good guess also because it's like that Carter's a great guess. It was like, was it him? Yeah. And he's also you know not bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, we're. Oh, I lost my. Less trend thought? No, the answers for this one deleted because I know what I oh. had and they're not written here. Okay, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. That. I'll skip that one. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Oh, wait, no, I got it. I'm sorry. It, it's, <laughs> the number fucked up. It, it skipped to the next line. Okay. How does Major William Cage die in the first time in Edge of Tomorrow, aka Live, Die, Repeat? Alien blood dissolves him, blows himself off of a grenade, steps on a landmine, 
an alien eats his head. Abe. Abe. Alien blood dissolves him. Alien blood does dissolve him. Yeah, that's how he gets the uh, the powers. <laughs> yeah, like it, like, like, like any superhero origin story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, human fly here. All right. God, that's such a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it Here's the next really one. Good. What drug trade do the boys investigate in Bad Boys Two? Ecstasy, cocaine, cannabis, crystal meth. Ooh. Brandon. Brandon. I. Th- God, I love this movie too. I'm going to say ecstasy. It I think is ecstasy. A, You're yeah. correct. Okay. Yes. I was like, why are they going to Cuba again? Because they all got pills. <laughs> they all like that's all the thing. Yeah. Like, but Peter... also like Gabrielle Union's in Cuba, right? Yeah. Well, they kidnap her and take it. That's when shit gets real. I don't know if you remember that, but shit gets real at that point. <laughs> it wasn't real. It wasn't ago. real before. <laughs> but it's like Peter Stormare's John Wick's Peter Stormare is running that club. And they're all like high in ecstasy. <laughs> like one guy gets thrown out. I think at that point it was Armageddon's Peter Stormare. <laughs> it was far, come out yet. Far, far goes Peter Stormare. Oh, okay. All right. Um, in collateral damage, where were the terrorists from? Ecuador, Venezuela, America, Colombia. I haven't seen this movie. I, All you, Brandon. I haven't seen it. I'm just going to take a guess and say Venezuela. Incorrect. A for I'm going to say Ecuador. It, it was Colombia. Oh. Okay. All right. It should have been called Colombiana then. I had a Colombiana question here. I was like, that's too, no one remembers a Colombiana. Nobody remembers. <laughs> All right. When the sheriff pats him down in first blood and finds his knife, what does Rambo say it's for? Whittling, trimming his nails, hunting, or self-defense? Brandon. Brandon. Trimming his nail. <laughs> Incorrect. I Abe, know. <laughs> self-defense? In, it's hunting. Hunting. Oh, he actually defense. does say it. Yeah. <laughs> Trimming is that's too cute for Rambo at first, but yeah. it's too serious. If it was Rambo true, 3, he'd be yeah. like, Oh, just trim my news. That's <laughs> where my head was that's where my head was, but I was like, that one, yeah, Rambo's Rambo's too uh serious. Yeah. Yeah. First like, what I mean. It's me, Miguel Bain. I'm just trimming my nails. <laughs> but I guess yeah, he would be very honest uh, with uh with the cops there. Right. It's a personal grooming tool, like what Vin Diesel says in Pitch Black. <laughs> when he's shaving his head with fucking grease because he's badass in that movie <laughs> and they're like let's make him nicer the next one all right whatever um which athlete turned action hero said of mark gregory this dude was walking like he was walking on snow without fingerprints billy blanks roddy piper fred williamson or jim brown uh abe abe jim brown incorrect uh, billy blanks in, it was Hi, Bo. <laughs> I, I only said that because I, I was on a huge Billy Blanks kick. I know, that's why year. I chose this question. Good one. Uh, okay. Uh, three more. Okay. When Jackie Chan's foot catches fire in The Legend of Drunken Master, how does he put it out? Do you throw dirt on it, blow it out, fire extinguisher, or kicks it water? Drunken Legend Master. Of... Legend of Drunken Master. Legend of Drunken Master. I'm going to say... Abe, he just throws dirt on it. Incorrect. Okay. Uh, I will say kicks water. He does kick water. That is yeah. correct. Okay. I was like, that seems a little bit too on the nose, but I guess yeah. <laughs> I think blowing I like, it out seems on the that... nose. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just got it. All right, moving on, guys. <laughs> All right. Oh, he's got super strength. Here's the next one. What does Chris drop at the end of Platoon? His rifle, a grenade, his dog tags, or his helmet? Abe. Abe. Dog tags. Incorrect. Be very dramatic, but it's incorrect. Yeah. 
I will say grenade. It is a grenade. <laughs> Look at this. See, I've never seen platoon. That's a big blind spot for me. Right. So here we are. We have one question left. Abe is currently in the lead by one. <laughs> oh my god. So I will need a tiebreaker if Brandon gets this one correct. Brandon, it's all you, buddy. Here's the, here's the, here's the, next, here's the last one. In Ronin, what is in the silver case? A jewel, blueprints, a bomb, or money? Uh, it's been, I haven't I seen Ronin in I thought years. you were going to be like, what kind of car is she driving? I was like, it's a BMW. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it might have been an M5 as well. Um, Abe. I think it's money. It's not money, Brandon. I'm going to say blueprints. So I tricked you guys. You don't know what's in the case at all. <laughs> it's not, no. it's not, <laughs> it hurts my brain. I'm like, I can't remember. I thought, I thought one of you might have remembered this. It's like, it's not a bomb. It's like something dumb, right? Yeah. So. I didn't want to put that as, because that would have been one of the options. But like, this is more fun. Um, <laughs> but regardless, yeah. uh, Abe, you've won this week. You've won Pop Thank you. Shot. Oh, congratulations. Brandon, it was a good game. It was a close <laughs> game for sure. I had fun. I hope you guys had fun. Oh, absolutely. But uh, before I move on, Brandon, I know you got to take off. So um, if you like, if you like it, do you please plug where people find more of your work online? Uh, just uh, on Twitter, uh, just under my name. Um, you'll see it in the show notes, I'm sure. I have yep. a dumb last name that's hard to pronounce and spell so yeah on twitter um don't have anything in the works right now uh kind of taking a little bit of a breather because that stunt stuff was like six months of my life and mm -hmm. i'm kind of laying low for a bit i will say one thing i i briefly want to plug very quickly um mm -hmm. that i'm excited about is there was a mexican horror movie that came out earlier this year called hoy sarah the bone woman oh i, I saw that ooh, yeah. yeah i I loved that movie, blew me away, knew nothing about it going into the theater and loved it so much that I reached out to the director because I wanted to talk to her about it, interviewed her, and then ended up being asked to do the liner notes for the upcoming Blu-ray. Oh, so, very cool, man. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. Very good movie. I'm mo mostly shouting it out because I think it needs to be seen however you can see movies. Uh, oh, she, nice. Michelle... Michelle Garza, Garza Cervera is the director. I think she's someone that we'll be seeing a lot of in the future. Um, and if you're into physical media, I believe it's being, I think, I, I haven't gotten the details yet, but the studio XYZ Films just signed a deal with Vinegar Syndrome. So I'm pretty oh, sure it's going oh, to cool. out through them. So if you're into physical media and into horror, like international horror and everything, Definitely think that's worth checking out, not just because I'm going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That, that was great. A, it's a spooky movie. I, I dug that one quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a real good movie. But uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And just want to shout that out. <laughs> for sure. And uh, I'll, I'll link to the, the stunt stuff for, for this episode on the show notes as well. because I thought that Definitely. Was cool yeah. yeah. Awards that, that actually ties in more with what we talked <laughs> about today than the other thing. But <laughs> For sure. But uh, Brandon, thank you very much for joining us. Thank today. you, Brandon. Very happy to talk yeah, to you thank about you. John Wick 4. This was a lot of fun. i always happy to do it. And it was nice meeting you, Abe. And, yeah, uh, I look yeah. forward to seeing you at the theater where we can like, you know, fight uh, in front of the audience and then <laughs> away. And be like, it was a, it was a joke. <laughs> That'll yeah. be a lot of fun. <laughs> For sure. Hope, hope to have you back on soon enough. Enough, but uh yeah until next time we'll uh, we'll take it easy definitely yeah thanks i uh, have a good thanks, one brandon. guys great see ya. see ya okay well all right that was fun brandon thank you so much but we've got some more stuff to do <laughs> yeah let's get to some out now feedback 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 brandon we wish you were here uh this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our facebook page facebook.com slash now podcast we have some number of questions to listeners and they give us some answers and let's do this first question here is uh what is john wick's favorite best weapon 
Chris says, has to be a pencil kill or book in the mouth during library fight. My 13-year-old son, Leah, would have to say the various knives and axes in the weapons museum fight and his Benelli M2 Super 90. Well, your 13-year-old uh, my... certainly has a lot of knowledge of specifically what guns he was using <laughs> in these movies. He's probably looking up, like, uh, internet gun movie database. He just plays more Call of Duty. That's what I'm hearing. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, friends, John Michael Lee has, he doesn't need weapons, but if he were to use one, it would have to be guns. Uh, let's see. John Wick's best weapon. I mean... He's a surgeon with these shotguns. It seems like every time this man gets a very much so. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. Alonzo in Trinity Day was one because he said it, but you know John Wick clearly best. Yeah, I, Alonzo didn't have dragon's breath. Yeah. All right. Next question, maybe. What has been the most worthy? Who has been the most worthy adversary of John Wick? Uh, Chris writes, Commons Cassian was a worthy opponent. It's quite worthy. I would I have to agree. After seeing Pretty, John Wick four, I would have to say Kane. I would say Kane as well. Cassian, I mean, that was an extended sequence involving it. Like they, they keep fighting. And they, yeah, they keep fighting. And he also gives them a ton of respect in that movie. For sure. John Wick does. Yeah, he very much seems like a person that was of his caliber. Um, right. but I, I mean yeah. that Ruby Ruby Rose Ruby Ruby, Ruby Rose is in the yeah. Ruby Red Ruby Rose <laughs> yeah Ruby Ruby Rose is in there too yeah as the yeah. What, the the deaf assassin right but again he doesn't show her any respect because he pulls the knife out knife out he leaves her he he does he gives her a similar death to Cassie as far as like a BC in you and no he never yeah, see yeah, him again. exactly he signs uh, it yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would I would agree with you. Kane certainly seems to be the yeah. the, the most worthy adversary of John Wick. Yeah. Uh, the next question here: What's your favorite action film prominently featuring a dog? Chris says all the Wicks action movies of dogs. Mm-hmm. Homer Bound, The Incredible Journey, action packed that movie was. <laughs> They've got to go down a river. <laughs> They've got to go down a river. <laughs> the highlight of any dog named action movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, Shadow shows up limping at the end there because they've had such a hard time. Let's see. What are the act? What are the other action dog movies? Bolt. <laughs> Bolt. Sorry, John Travolta. Yeah. John- oh my god, I'm a dog. Um, that's what he says, right? That's his, that's his catchphrase. <laughs> he that touches movie. my collar. Oh my I won't fair out of my collar. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, let's see. That's all I got. I can't think of any action movies. <laughs> I mean, there's like the you know, there's like the hype, you know, like White Fang and Call of the Wild, like those movies. Yeah, but I, I thought you were gonna say Dog with the with Jenny Jane Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. Um, but it's not a lot of action in that one. Maybe flashback. Um, as good as it gets. Great action in that movie. As good as it gets. I have not seen that <laughs> since 1996. Um. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question we have here. Who are some great, well-dressed villains from action movies? Todd writes, Todd, leave it up front of the show, writes, Nice Suit, John Phillips, London. I have myself, I have two myself, rumor has it. Arafat buys his there. That's all Alan Rickman in, in uh, Die Hard. Die Hard. Uh, Chris has Caster Troy or Calvin Candy from Django. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Philip has Oren Ishii in Kill Bill, Volume 1. I mean, she does have a lot of... Uh... I forget. I don't know what they're called. Um, best dressed action villains, or I guess just villains in villains general. Villains in, ac- in action movies. Oh, okay, in action movies. Um, hmm. 
I mean, he's got a resplendent suit on in Monsters Inc., but you know, uh, Mister What's His Face, Mister What's His What, um, uh, the, uh, James the, Coburn's the, character, yeah, the the crab guy, yeah, <laughs> he's wearing a suit, three piece. Trying to remember his name. It's like hard. It's sort of like an H, maybe. Um, I'm what looking is, at him now. I am too. This is important. It we need is. this. We need this. Waternoose, Mister Waternoose, <laughs> Mister <Yeah>. Waternoose. <laughs> Sully, we need you to get the scares. <laughs> uh, best dressed villains. Yeah. Uh, Joker always looks pretty professional. He's always wearing a purple suit of some kind, right? Uh, Keaton's Joker? Keaton's Joker for sure, but all the Jokers are rocking suits. true. They're clown princes. And as we know, this clown princes have to dress for success. <laughs> <laughs> they always say dress for the job that you want. Uh, Syndrome wears a cape, so that doesn't do him very well. But, you know. I mean, he also like um, he's got a nice suit on, you know. He's it, the the uh, plastic, the plastic, the the wrist remote. It's nice, mm-hmm. yeah. So, all right. Uh, the next question here: Who are some great action movie supporting characters that are always in the in the hero's corner? Uh, Philip has Ving Rhames in the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, Chris has the only answer here is Lance Reddick. R.I.P. For sure. Um, heroes of the Q. Q from the, James, from the James Bond movies. Oh, I was thinking uh, of Bad Boys again for whatever reason. But... Q, even um, M, specifically Judy Dench's M. Judy Dench, yeah, voice she backs Bond all the time. Where the hell have you been, Bond? I can't do do. do so I'm just gonna use regular voice. Um, we Alfred. Saw Alfred. Yeah, that they don't show him kicking ass, but the comics do. Um, great movie, great action movie supporting characters. I will have to say, hmm, Doc Hudson. There you go. What? <laughs> yeah, you know he's helping out Lightning McQueen. <laughs> that's what I thought you said, Doc Hudson. Okay, yeah, that's an action movie. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, what other iconic action movie hero could feasibly take on John Wick? Ooh. Chris writes, had this exact conversation today with my son, his son who very much knows gun names. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. We're having fun. No, um, Chris, this is great. You know, teacher, uh, have your son uh, explore all the movies. Uh, Hutch Mansell or Rama from The Raid. Mm-hmm. Ito in The Night Comes for Us. Uh, Luke has Jar 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 And Philip has Raju from RRR. I mean, both of those guys, I think, would be <laughs> a competition yeah. for John Wick. Iconic um, movie action hero that could take on John Wick. I mean, John Wick is like this immovable force kind of thing. I feel like it, the only answer here is Ethan Hunt. See, there's Ethan Hunt and then like Jason Bourne. And I'm like... <laughs> Jason Bourne's a good call too, but he wants to be like... I, I guess they're both... They're both smart characters, yeah. Because like you know, he he's always like three steps ahead too. Jason Bourne's the only thing is he's he's a he's a defensive guy. Like he's not going into the action. He's like escaping fools, right? Where John Wick is like, I'm walking into this room and I'm going to shoot probably at least twenty percent of it in the face. But because you <laughs> did something to me, yes, yeah. <laughs> or because I've been before his before his retirement days. But I guess like, if they're facing off in a battle, like <laughs> which one which one's the more resourceful? I guess in that scenario. 
I mean, I feel like John Wick is, but also like again, Ethan Hunt, pretty good. Pretty, pretty Ethan Hunt, pretty, Ethan Hunt feels like photographic gets, memory. Ethan Hunt, but I mean, does that help him in a you know in a fight? <laughs> I mean, you saw him kick a, a pistol in the sand, you know, twelve feet in the air. Yeah. Okay. So okay, let's say this: Mission Impossible Two's Ethan Hunt, probably pretty formidable. Oof. Like four through six. He's getting by by the skin of his teeth a lot of the time in these movies. Like, yeah, like, and as we as we mentioned earlier, Luther's helping him out a lot. It's not as yeah, yeah, or you know, Rebecca and Ferguson Benji. or or uh, Benji or Henry Cavill in the bathroom fight. Like, there's a lot of help coming his way. It's not like his <laughs> his fighting and prowess. He's a team is the player. Like he barely handled the you know the villain from John Wick one in Ghost Protocol when they're fighting on the. Actually, I have to take card. this back because even in Mission Impossible one, he's like he doesn't he he. Let's all of his guard down with uh with the French lady. Uh-huh. And then later he figures it out. So maybe he's not the most resourceful. <laughs> and even killing isn't his old his, you know, that's not his resort his first resort. Where John Wick again, he's gonna shoot you in the face. <laughs> like that's yeah. his deal. <laughs> I mean, the way that he disposes of uh of the son in the first one is just like very matter of fact. So I watched all the John Wicks again over the yeah. course of like the past few weeks and the the one time that John Wick like seems to relish killing somebody is when he's going after the sun and he like he beats up they're like in a like a nightclub but he's in like a pool yeah. and like John Wick beats the crap out of one guy and he's holding him and he looks at the sun and he has the gun held on this other guy he looks <laughs> yeah. at the sun dead it's in the eye badass then, moment what he looks at the sun dead in the eyes and then shoots the guy that's like the he one doesn't time. even look down at the guy he yeah, just he shoots just, him he just shoots him while looking at, at the, the sun, sun. yeah. yeah. That's like, the one time where it's happening. It's the one time where it seems like John Wick's enjoying what he's doing. <laughs> like, he's this like, is a good I, point. I, the, I, again, I like the I like a lot of part one because of what it's doing there. Like mm-hmm. when he kills the other guy with like putting the knife through his neck and then just like watching him die. I'm like, this guy is a fucking psycho. <laughs> and give me more of it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the last question here is: What movie has the most notable series of endless henchmen? Chris has The Raid 1 and 2 and Dread. Michael Lee has uh, Despicable Me's Minions. And Jordan Grout has The Fifth Element. <laughs> Notable henchmen. Endless henchmen. Hmm. I mean, I mentioned Face Off earlier. I mean, John Woo movies have pretty <laughs> endless henchmen. Uh, even going back to, like, you know, the killer days. And endless bullets. Let's see. There's the Foot Clan and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, of course. You don't. Ha- you don't know how many there are. Yeah, they're the Foot. Anybody yeah. can be the Foot. Um, anybody could be. The anyway, yeah, yeah, you could be the Foot. I don't know. We should. <laughs> are you the Foot? <laughs> are you part well, of the Foot? That's two down. <laughs> like Danny's part of the Foot Clan. You know, April's. Yeah, he? Like, like her like brother. there was like run away from his dad and steal twenty dollars from April O'Neil. Is he her brother? What is he, what is his relationship? No, no, he's just his boss's her boss's son. Oh, why does he hang out with April? I don't know. Why does Marty probably hang out with Doc Brown? Who cares? Um, <laughs> Did you say Doc Brown? He's a loser. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm going with the Foot Clan. I think that's a good answer. That's a good <laughs> so I'm answer. Yeah. With that. <laughs> I mean, they just like show up in in uh, New York, like just how how many? You remember in the first movie, they steal an entire like cargo van worth of products in like ten seconds. So there's like a ton of them. Then 
they're they're really good at being thieves. They're terrible fighting against mutated turtles. But as far <laughs> I mean, you'd be afraid if you fought against a mutated turtle too. No one's thinking about fear. It's just they're really bad at it. That's the problem. <laughs> That's because they have like two weeks of training and then they're just like certified to become the Foot Clan. Sam Rockwell didn't train them in fighting between the turtles. They were, they were we're a family. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sam Rockwell showing up in that movie and then years later becoming like, you know, one of Hollywood's like, an Oscar winning uh, actor. Yeah, best actors. It's like, this is great just seeing him all like, you know, 19 year old disheveled. All right. So that was that no feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to do it for Brandon this week's I wish you could have been a part of it. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at codezy.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write for We Live Entertainment and Wise the Blue. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash polishmoose. Hashtag I am Klaus. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or our Twitter, twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. And remember, our iTunes reviews and ratings are good to get those as well. Thank you so much. Um, once again, thanks to Brandon Stroisnick for Thank joining Thank you, us. Brandon. Yeah. And um, next week's show, we're talking Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Ooh. honor among thieves. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and farewell. John, they're not going to take you back. I'm trying to do Lawrence Fishburne. That's your Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not very good, though. Um, you know. You have to challenge him to a duel. I don't know, maybe, McShane. Is that <laughs> the trailer? Yeah, because I'm trying to remember, like, the you only have to challenge him to see. He says you have to challenge him to single combat. Yeah. That's your um, Ian McShane impression? It's me saying words that he somewhat <laughs> delivered. <laughs> all right. That's for sure. <laughs> And then, you know, dueling stuff happens, and then all of a sudden you see Donnie Yen just pop up and do some cool Donnie Yen stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John Wick Chapter 4. <laughs> I'll just say, seeing it again last night, when Donnie Yen like, gets the voice like, I'm going to do the fist thing, where I just really beat my fist on a guy's chest really quickly. It's so fucking cool to watch it with an audience. Like, I yeah. saw, I never saw the, <laughs> I only saw the It Man films at home. So I've never seen, like, Donnie Yen on a big screen with people around me. So, yeah. like, oh, man, see... I saw It Man 4 in theaters, and it was... Uh, incredible like to to see that in theaters yeah is that yes. the one with tyson or is that three that's the one with scott adkins. scott adkins scott adkins yeah yeah so like yeah seeing that for like the like with people that have probably you know if they, anything like rogue one's the only thing they've ever seen donnie in with it's like like seeing him do that in a theater for this kind of movie it's like oh fuck yeah how like, it's dare so them like <laughs> if that's the only thing they've ever seen him it's like he's got like 20 years of work <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, Orange County. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Got it. And All like right. ki- you know, kids. <laughs> There's a lot of teenagers with the, the they nine o'clock show. Hong Kong action movies? 